Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 130 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and hopefully thankful brother-in-law, Ryan. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Yeah. Woke up, just made some salmon, had some clementines this morning, played with the dog. It's snowing and uh, coming off of a good Thanksgiving yesterday. Good so, I'm deal. doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I also had a really nice Thanksgiving with my mom's side of the family. So uh, we did not have that luxury last year because of COVID. So yeah. thankfully, we were able to all de- we were all able to gather around the table, have a delicious meal, lots of laughs, lots of hearty ales and drinking, and uh, it was a solid night. And uh, Laura and I kicked off the day yesterday because uh, we didn't go over there until like three or five in the afternoon. But uh, Laura and I started watching Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, for the Can't first for the first time. Yeah, so we are uh, about halfway through that film, and it's uh, it's pretty good so far. I'm not sure if it'll hold up, but yeah. And uh, what we're thankful for is our Lord and Savior. Eru Aluvatar, oh. the one who made the world of Lord of the Rings. I think that was Tolkien, but but he was the scribe of Eru. Oh. <laughs> I heard that uh, once. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, canon. Something like that. But welcome, everyone, to Otaku Brothers, episode 130. I can't yeah. believe we made it this far, Ryan. Uh, nearly four years doing the show. That's crazy. That is a crazy, monumental achievement, if you ask me. But I'm super excited for today's episode, and I hope that this episode finds everyone well. Whether you celebrate Thanksgiving or not, hopefully you are sitting down to play a great video game. Maybe you're on your commute to work. Maybe you're just chilling around the house, getting some stuff done. But wherever it finds you, we hope it finds you well and healthy. Ryan and I have a really fun topic today, all right? So... We pitched the idea last weekend. I didn't really know if it was actually going to come to fruition because we only had like four or five days to prep all this stuff, but hopefully it's still going to come together. We are doing a Pokemon extravaganza episode, a retrospective of sorts, if you will. So we have all kinds of really crazy things to talk about. So I'm going to give kind of a history and laydown of the land when it comes to Pokemon its humble beginnings and origins in the 90s, both the game, the anime, the cards, the whole kit and caboodle, we're going all in on Pokemon today with some fun facts and some trivia stuff. So that'll be fun. Ryan and I also kind of built our top five Pokemon games. Uh, I think that'll be pretty good. Yeah, that will be. I mean, what's not, you know, I mean, everyone loves celebrating Pokemon games and there's a whole heck of a lot of them. I mean, there's a. It's surprising. Yeah, over the last 20-something years. You have the mainline series of games. You've got the spinoff stuff like Conquest and Snap and Mystery Dungeon and all that kind of Stadium, stuff. Stadium, yeah. Coliseum. It's crazy. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about there. Then we also are going to make our Pokemon Dream Team. Who are the six Pokemon that we're taking to the Elite Four and becoming a Pokemon Master with? That'll be fun. Yeah, and we're- my spin on that was I'm I made a team going up against... Uh, red on Mount Silver at the end of Silver version. All right, cool. Yeah, I have my own kind of um, reasoning behind creating my list, but we'll get to that in the back half of the show. And then something I'm going to do with Ryan is uh, that I put together is guess that Pokemon cry. So not like the whole Pika Pika or I'm Bulbasaur type of thing, but like the literal 
cry that they make. Like the Pokedex sound. Yeah, when you run into them or encounter them in the wild. So I've got 10 of those queued up. Should be fun. Of course, the listeners can play along as well. It should make for a very fun episode. And with all types of retrospectives that we've done in the past, whether it was the Sega Genesis or the GameCube, we have a whole slew of 90s advertisements. So if you were a kid growing up in the 90s and you were watching your Saturday morning cartoons, it was pretty much impossible to watch any kind of television program back then and not have a Pokemon advertisement play. And so we've got four or five of those queued up too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope again that you're sitting down to just enjoy some video games and you join us for this Pokemon ride. It should be a very good time. But as we always do, on Otaku Brothers, before we get into the main topic of the show, the really good, you know, meat and potatoes of the episode, we got to talk about our weeks. We got to talk about the games that we have been playing recently. So, Ryan, why don't you enlighten the good people? What have you been doing in the past week? Nothing too crazy. I mean, this is Friday. Um, last time we recorded, I think, was Saturday. Sunday, actually. Sunday. So it's been a few days. Um, wanted to work for three days, had off yesterday and then have off today. Um, for Thanksgiving, since you guys were over at your parents, um, we ended up going out to the horse farm, uh, the parents and I, um, and then also Nala, oh. and then met um, some their friends out there as well. Had a full Thanksgiving. It was a good time. Uh, watched a movie. Just chilled for most of the day. Ate a shit ton of food. Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered <clears throat> stuffing for the first time in my life. No, so you didn't discover it. You just you finally enjoy it. Yeah, I finally enjoyed this recipe. Okay, uh, with some gravy. So you got the optimum turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy mix. So I, I was happy, very full. Um, and then yeah, I mean we're here. I went home, prepped some Pokemon notes, and uh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good awesome week so far. Good deal. Yeah, I would say the same thing. It, three days felt like seven days of working, to be honest, because. Yeah. You know, it's always nice to have those two days off because of a holiday, but you still feel like you have to crunch those extra two days of work into that three days. And there's usually deadlines like right on like Wednesday. It was like, hey, if you don't get quotes in, you're going to have to have a shit ton of work on Monday. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was nice to kind of get everything in around like two or three and then just kind of relax into the the weekend. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, tomorrow we're having like you and Lauren over for Thanksgiving at the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some relatives coming in, so watch the OSU-Michigan game. That's right. Yeah, that should be a good game. Uh, I hope we annihilate Michigan for like the seventh straight year or something like yeah. that. But um, that'll be good times. And so outside of that, yeah, Laura and I watched some Lord of the Rings yesterday. Her and I are totally in on the Hallmark Christmas sappy movies, so we've been watching some of those more recently. Actually, one I will recommend is, um, I think it's called Love Heart. It is a Netflix-exclusive and um, it has – I'm trying to think of his name. I think his first name is Jimmy. He's the comedian. Okay. Uh, the Chinese dude. Jimmy, the Chinese dude. He's a comedian. I don't know his last name. I, it totally escapes me. Uh, but he's in it. And so the whole idea or uh, plot of the movie is there's this girl out in L.A. You know, she's trying to get hooked up with some dude on one of those dating apps. And she finds this guy who she kind of like falls head over heels with. Uh, he kind of looks like your surfer bro, super good looking L.A. California dude. And <laughs> she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surprise him for Christmas and I'm going to fly over to the East Coast and hang out with him and his family for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So she flies over there. She knocks on his door and his mom answers the door. She comes in and then she's greeted 
with her dad, who's Chinese. So she's a little perplexed because the person, the pictures that she'd seen up to that point was not a Chinese man. And um, so the comedian guy walks in and it's like this, you know, she basically was catfished yeah. is what they call it, you know. Um, so it's them trying to figure out like whether or not they want to stay together or work on their relationship type of thing. It's your very typical uh, Christmas rom-com type of deal, but it's actually really fun. Nice. I'll so have to take a look. It's called Love Hard, if I'm not mistaken. So The last one you recommended to me, this is, I think, a rom-com, was the uh, time travel one, on I think, on Netflix. Oh, yeah, with Rachel McAdams. Yeah, which and, I liked because yeah. Rachel McAdams is great. About Time Yes, is the oh, name of that one. So you haven't led me astray yet in mm-hmm. your recommendations for yeah. rom-coms. No, that's a good one. Um, and then, yeah, so outside of that, next couple of days will be good. Playing more Pokemon, eating some more good food. We've got the Steeler game on Sunday versus the Cincinnati Bengals. So a lot of good football, a lot of good games. And I'm doing it all with the best people, so I cannot complain. All is well in my world, Ryan. But um, I think that's enough about the weeks. What I really want to hear about is how's your journey in Brilliant Diamond coming along? Uh, not too crazy. Um, I'm still kind of on the Skyrim kick oh okay um but i've also gotten to the second gym mm. um so i get to play um an hour or two in the car yesterday going out to the horse farm so i made my way through and i'm currently in the second gym oh okay um, it, it i found two of the trainers i think there's one more before the gym leader but it's it's got a gimmick to the gym so i'm trying to figure that one out um overall um still an issue with the xp share I am level 20, I think, for my highest level guy, for uh, Pippi, mm. the Piplup. Um, he's now evolved. I still ha- I currently have three evolved Pokemon. I'm still doing the Nuzlocke, um, just catch one in each area. Um, I was lucky and I got a Ponyta oh, in nice. one of my areas. So now I have coverage for that. So I named him Spirit. Oh, nice. I got rid of Cancer because no one needs a Zubat or a Golbat or a other bat on your team yeah um so now i have some good type coverage um for the grass gym which i'm at um so yeah i'm enjoying it i love the chibis mm. it, it's a beautiful game it's just the xp share that that we talked about for way too long last time so i won't get into that but overall i'm liking it a lot um ben sent to our group chat uh with rick and i he's caught two shiny uh What's the little uh, gopher dudes at the very beginning? Oh, uh, Badoof. Badoof. Yeah. Yeah. So he's caught two shinies of those guys, and the shiny rate's like one in 4,000. So he's gotten really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, I don't know who's probably watched this or gone down the rabbit hole on YouTube besides me, but there is a Rusty's Plays Pokemon Golden Badoof like video, and it's just. It's amazing animation inside like the sprites video game of a guy playing like realistic Pokemon with mm. like a golden Badoof who becomes God. So it's worth a watch. Just Google it. You won't be let down. A lot of people seem to really like Badoof. I mean, he just is the like the most meme worthy punchable Pokemon ever. Yeah. So look up golden Badoof on YouTube images and you'll find this Badoofed head on a ripped bodybuilder body. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, Good so how, what are your thoughts? I don't know how much you played. Yeah, not much more. I, I haven't quite gotten to the second gym yet. I've gotten to that second city, though. After you beat the first gym, you kind of go through the mine area, and then okay. I can't remember where you go after that. But that's one of my favorite things about these earlier Pokemons, the DS ones, of course, dating back to Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Original, um, is I feel like there is a little bit of a, I don't know where to go. Like, yeah. you don't really consult a map necessarily, but you kind of have to just, like, wander around aimlessly until you find like oh there's a cave over here that i have to go into or like oh there's this little hole in the wall place that i kind of have to navigate to to get to this next town where i just maybe because with sword and shield you're in more of a a 3d environment and it just it's so linear it's a lot easier to figure out where you need to go but i love getting lost in a pokemon game uh especially because you need to grind in the earlier games now that's not much so much the case because you almost want to run away from pokemon because otherwise you're you're going to be super over-leveled. Yeah, or trainers. But yeah. like half the time you're trying to dodge trainers. Um, I don't know if you go to the forest where you have like a green friend. Uh, I don't... It's right after you get to the town you're probably in. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I mean like the routes are far more dynamic in the earlier games. Um, and that's probably because of the size. But they've made it so linear. Mm-hmm. Like I remember Sword and Shield, you, they teleported you around so much. Like, hey, do you want me to bring you to this town, which is right next to your next objective? Yeah. Without, like, wandering around and exploring. Because there's nothing to wander around and explore in. <laughs> um, I hate you, Sword and Shield. <laughs> like, seriously. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I've talked about it before. It's that transition from, like, the smaller sprites... To the newer games, just that you're three times the size of what you would be. They never scaled up the environment to match that increase. And it's, I don't know if that's capability of the hardware or if that's just lack of effort to make it a good game. But they never scaled it up to make it a dynamic path or environments. Mm -hmm. Like some of the routes in Diamond and Pearl, you have like uh, weaving bridges and stairs that make it so you can get lost on a path Mm -hmm. so yeah overall it's good good time yeah no i am very much enjoying it and uh, one thing that was a little bit surprised about is when i wandered into the second town uh, i try and talk to most of the npcs because you just never know when someone's gonna just try and like unload their entire pokedex on you because (laughs) they're giving up on pokemon or something and uh there was this these two people that were standing right next to each other in this flower bed and I walk up to the woman or the guy, I can't remember who I talked to first, and they're just like, oh, we see that you've played Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Here's a Jirachi. And I was like, well, that's awfully kind of you. Yeah. And then I, Here's the legend or mythic wish-giving Pokemon. And then I talked to the other person. They're like, oh, we've seen that you've played Pokemon Sword and Shield. Like, here's a, a Mew. And I'm like, wow, okay. Like, Jeez. <laughs> Do you want Arceus, god of all Pokemon? We captured him yesterday. It's yeah. Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of neat. Uh, I got two free Pokemon, so I actually do have Mew in my party now. Okay, uh, just for the fun of it, you know, I've never Damn. really, I've never really <laughs> used Mew before. Um, so I swapped out, I think Geodude or something like that for Mew. Um, That's such a fair trade. Here's a Geodude. You know who's gonna upend him? Mew, the first mythic in all of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, so that's been fun, and I really haven't made you know significant progress beyond that because Ryan. I got two other games in the mail this week. Oh. All right. I did some Black Friday Friday spoiler shopping for myself. 
not spoiler in the sense of like I'm giving away a key plot point, but spoiler, I spoiled myself. Yes. And I got two games. Opposed to soiling yourself. (laughs) That is, yes, a great clarification. Yes. Uh, I got two games that I was never really going to pay full price for. I wanted to wait for a price drop. And I got Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. Oh, nice. Which was the um, kind of the compilation of the greatest hits of prior Monkey Ball games. What did that go for? I got it for 20 on PS5. Oh, that's really good. 20 bucks, yeah. I mean, it retailed for 40 which still, in my eyes, is a pretty good bargain. Yeah, and that's not digital. Is that physical? Yeah, got a physical copy. And I didn't even anticipate this. It comes with a little, like, 20-page art book. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so um, I only played that for about a half an hour or so. I got through the first world. And uh, it, it's not as fun as I remembered it as a kid, but it's still really great arcade fun. The yeah. soundtracks of those games um, are very complimentary to that arcade type of experience. How does it deal with the rotation of the stage? Is it your based off your controller, like yeah. internals? Yeah, it's the analog sticks. Okay. So it doesn't feel like – like I played Loco Roco recently on the PS4 and playing Whoa. that <laughs> playing that on the big screen, I felt like it's I was going to get sick because um, yeah. you're just navigating the world with the trigger buttons and it's just kind of nauseating to be honest with you. At least it was for me. Uh, but Super Monkey Ball, I don't really get that. That's Even good. when my little ball like flies off the map or whatever. <laughs> um, so that's been fun. And again, to me, there's just certain games that you kind of want to play around the holidays that are super kind of chill, mindless, not very taxing on the brain. And the Monkey Ball games are, are very much those types of experiences. Yeah. So that's been fun. The other one that surprised me quite a bit was Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. So this came out recently. I think it really kind of came out of nowhere, just trying to capitalize on the hype for Smash Brothers Ultimate yeah. with the the last you know fighter coming to the game, and it's exactly what you would anticipate with you know a Smash clone with Nickelodeon characters. I mean, to the point where you literally have the percentage meter. So as you get hit, you build up a percentage bar, and you're you know it's a lot easier to get you off the stage. Oh, cool. Um, there's they definitely didn't beat around the bush with this. They didn't try and you know be PlayStation All-Star Battle Royale where it just played a little bit differently. Like this yeah. is legitimately like pull out Smash Brothers characters, swap in Nickelodeon characters. Like just and reskin and go. Basically. And it's it's a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Okay. Um, I think the fighting mechanics certainly aren't as tight as you would expect it to be in a Smash Brothers game, but still fun nonetheless. Uh, I've played online a little bit and just annihilated, I would assume like younger kids that are probably playing this game, maybe adults. I don't know. I'm an adult playing this game. So I'm certainly not judging anyone that bought this game and is playing online. And um, it has an arcade mode uh, similar to like your earlier Smash Brothers where you play as one character. You go through 10 rounds of fighting. Classic or adventure. Exactly. Just your classic adventure mode in Smash Brothers. And then there's just local create a match. You can play with stock. You can play for time. Um, Who all do they have in there character wise? I mean, you have SpongeBob, Patrick, Sandy. Then you also have like Nigel Thornberry, Invader oh. Zim. You have Toph. Oh, shit. Korra and Aang. That sounds amazing. So you have some Avatar folks in there. Are there unlockable players or is it like, hey, here's everyone? I haven't looked. Um, I've beaten arc- arcade mode with like eight or nine people at this point. And Who's I've- your go-to? Patrick, actually. Really? Yeah. I love playing as Patrick. Okay. Yeah, he's just got a certain move that you can kind of just um, troll people with, if you will. And it's just really, (laughs) really easy to beat them if you do that or build up their percentage meter at least a lot and then just annihilate them. 
Um, so yeah, I'm surprised with how fun it is. The environments of the different stages are really pretty cool. Um, what the game didn't have to do though is have a soundtrack that slaps so damn hard. Like you wouldn't believe how good some of these songs are. Really? And I felt like it was probably only appropriate that we play one of them. All right, let's do it. So this is actually the theme that plays for the avatar level. Okay. And in the avatar level, like in the background, you see like Appa and Momo walking around and stuff like that. Oh, so cool. it, it's really pretty neat. It's not just some like still screenshot of a stage and, you, you know, it's almost like the final destination. Like there's actually some interactivity with the level and stuff like that. There's people walking around in the background. So it's pretty neat. But let's take a listen here to the uh, avatar theme that plays for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. So yeah, like pretty dang intense That's ridiculous. and definitely didn't need to go that hard. I mean, I was sitting there playing uh, down in the family room because I, I moved my PS5 downstairs since Lauren and I've been playing It Takes Two. Yeah. And Lauren was sitting there on the couch playing her Switch or something like that. And we both like once that beat kicked in, we both like looked at each other like, what is going on? <laughs> because you wouldn't expect one, the game to even be that good. No. Let alone to have a soundtrack that is even remotely memorable well the end of that sounded like uh a person i used to listen to when i was really into techno which is armin van buren the state of trance and he used to have like hour-long podcasts of basically sounds that sounded like that really but like i didn't expect that from a fucking ang theme (laughs) no like they they go so hard and that's just one of many songs that are memorable like that's not the only outlier in a sea of just you know uh stock tracks like it is literally filled the brim with ridiculous like techno beats themed around your favorite Nickelodeon cartoons. So it's not a game I'm I mean, I'm encouraging people to go out there and pay $50 for. And certainly like if you're not a fan of Smash Brothers and that gameplay loop and fighting game style, yeah. this game isn't going to do anything for you. How and much was it on sale? I think 20. Oh, okay. That's yeah. reasonable. So it's definitely reasonable and I'm going to get my, you know, playtime out of it. I've played online a little bit. You know, certainly if, if you're over at the house, we can get, you know, um, I, the only unfortunate thing is since it's not on Switch, only two people could play. Okay. As opposed to, you know, four or five, six, eight with the Switch just because you only need one Joy-Con. Yeah. Right. 
Um, we only have two PS5 controllers, but you can play with bots, of course. You can have the CPUs mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But it's a good time. I, I, I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised with it. And the only unfortunate thing that I'll make note of is if you don't get this any game anytime soon, you're not going to be able to play online because it's already difficult to find people online to fight against. Yeah. So I imagine in a month or two, it's going to be completely dead. The other thing I'll note about this game is the trophy list is not only pretty easy, but it's actually fun to go for. Okay. So I have about 16 out of the 25 trophies at this point. Not surprised um, there. But two of the trophies that I don't have yet are online based. Okay. So I have to prioritize those. Otherwise, the platinum is just never going to be attainable. Are they hard? Like 100 kills or is it? One of the trophies that I need is play 50 online matches. Mm. So I've already played like 20, 25, but it's getting increasingly more challenging to find anyone online. So if I can't find anyone, then it's just never going to work. Yeah. Uh, The other one is going to be far more difficult to get, and that's beat someone that's a higher level than you five times. So I'm going to need to play people that are seasoned veterans of Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl <laughs> online who have played in one quite a bit yeah. and then beat those people five times. Dang. So uh, unless I artificially do it where you get really good online and beat me a bunch and then I beat you five times online. But again, it's it's not going to be easy trophy to get. Dude, take one for the team for that platinum. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, if you're a fan of Smash Brothers and certainly if you're a fan of Nickelodeon, I think there's definitely a lot of uh, enjoyment to be had here. It's definitely not going to surpass anyone's love of Smash Brothers, but when you think about all of the Smash clones over the years, this is definitely one I'd highlight. Yeah, no, we'll definitely have to play a match after this. So check it out. You know, you could probably get it on Black Friday for pretty cheap. It's it's on every platform known to man at this point, Switch, PC, Maybe not PC, but Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, uh, get it on all those those consoles. But that's about all I've been playing recently, Ryan. Lauren and I did not get any more It Takes Two uh, playtime in this week. So just a lot of Pokemon, a lot of Nickelodeon, All-Star Brawl. And I'm sure over the next few days, Lauren and I are probably going to try and get more It Takes Two in. And I'll be playing uh, more Pokemon uh, Shining Pearl. Nice. Did you play any with Sora? On uh, Smash? I have played as him. Really? Yeah. No, I downloaded him. I played as nice. him. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's exactly what I would expect to um, to have when with Sora and Smash. Yeah, I was watching um, Zero is finally update or uh, uploading videos again. Um, I think he, was it Smash 4? He was like undefeated for like 40-something matches. So he's finally updating or uploading videos after a year off. Um, so he was reviewing the, I think it was the, best player in japan playing sora versus like a pikmin mm. in like a tournament so um he definitely looks like a fun character is zero like one of the tournament gurus he was or like something best in the world for smash 4 oh okay so he actually went around and did tournaments gotcha um when esports was really picking up okay um so yeah fun character uh, i haven't played uh nickelodeon smash bros brawl <laughs> Uh, I, I went back to Skyrim on my side, just coming off of that once a year kick. Um, working on the main character that I made, Pablo Rod Dog. Um, he was, I'm he's higher level. I'm playing on Adapt, um, and then I got my uh, light armor skill up to I think eighty, and my armor went from like when you start out, it's like hundred and thirty armor. 
I'm at like 700 now. And like I'm taking like no damage from anyone. And I'm like one-shotting elephants. So I'm like, I wonder what it's like to play on Legendary. Oh, gosh. Um, But I'm like trying to think of a strategy to do that. I need to level up my armor right away and kind of my main combat skills or else I'm fucked. Um, So I went through the tutorial, uh, which is really balanced, actually. Um, The bear takes a lot of hits, but overall pretty balanced. And then going through the dungeon, the first dungeon where you have that claw that you insert, uh, the spider thing that drops down takes a million hits. But luckily I had upgraded my conjuration to 50, so uh, I could use the little ice dude, mm-hmm. like the oh, ice yeah. anjanath, anjanath, uh, anjanath, whatever, ice dude. Insert uh, weird word here. No one, no <laughs> Anjanath's one's, a monster hunter. No one's going to question you, or, uh, dude. T-Rex. But yeah, so my ice dude, he was kind of my tank. Shot the spider a bunch. That boss at the end who throws magic is a, takes a ton of hits. And then I killed the first dragon. Nice. So I could go up to the gray beards and kill other dragons, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, I'm having a ton of fun doing that. Um, now what the awesome. people really want to hear is how close are you to that Skyrim Platinum? See that I'm trying to get the platinum on Raw Dog. So I'm getting closer. Mm. I wanted to level up and just kind of get my armor up so I can blaze through some of those quest lines. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I ever. I've completed the Wizards uh, Guild um, or College a ton of times already. So that's usually the one I go for first because I'm most used to it. Uh, The Assassin's Guild, killing off Cicero, and then I think you poison an emperor or whatever, um, if that's not Oblivion. So I've done that one before. It's the Thieves' Guild that I've only done once when I originally got the game on PC. Mm. Um, so I'm stuck in the dungeon still, um, but yeah, still having a good time. Uh, besides that, I've watched a few shows. Oh, good Lord. Uh, just really quickly. The Dexter had kind of a reboot, mm-hmm. and that's the uh, – it's not Dexter's Laboratory – it's like the serial killer guy who is in Florida PD or whatever, and he kills off serial killers. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that came out years ago, but they did a reboot of, I think, like four episodes, four or five. Um, the first episode, it's called Dexter's Dexter New Blood, is free on YouTube for the first. So I got the teaser. Um, and then it's on Showtime Plus or whatever streaming service, but... I was thinking of getting like a free trial and watching that and then just canceling over the next couple of days. And then I was just watching uh, Demon Slayer. I started that, which is an anime that's well regarded. Cool. So, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's only been four days since we last recorded, yeah. so not too much, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about Skyrim is uh, I didn't mention it when we were talking about it last week. Uh, the character that I created is a wood elf. She has red hair, and her name is Aloy. Oh, very cool. I figured if we can't uh, play Horizon 2 right now, I might as well kind of make a character that resembles Aloy. How long ago did you make that character? Uh, that was like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Whenever I got the anniversary edition. Or Whenever you told me to play, and now I'm still fucking playing <laughs> 100 hours later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just have other things vying for my attention, like the Pokemon. and yeah, uh, I mean, no, I played sorry. Skyrim so many times, so I mean, I'm sure... You know, over Christmas and, you know, when I take some time off work, I'll go back and 
pump a couple more hours into Skyrim, but Will um, you ever go for the platinum? I don't It's not terrible. It's not I I don't know. Um you know, I, I did import my save of my character on PS4, so I have that there. That's that's the character I'd probably go for the platinum on, just because I already have I want to say I already have most of the trophies, but the thing about that is I did imported it load my, in the trophies? It did not. So I imported my save, which was I wanted that to happen. I I wanted to get the trophies over again okay. and not have all of them populate. So I guess I'll probably eat those words and say I'd probably just do it with Aloy if yeah. I ever was wanted to go for the platinum. Okay. Yeah, and after this I can show you a good way to help you speed up your experience. That's what I need, because otherwise I just it's gonna take me forever. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I f- I got you, bro. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ryan, I think it's about that time in the episode where maybe we should consider, if you're willing and able, to get into the main topic of the Dude, show. I'm so willing and so able. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do Pokemon shit. All right. Let's get into it. Ryan, we are in the main topic of this show, a topic I'm super pumped about, and we're actually doing this topic for the kind of second time, Yeah. if longtime Otaku Brothers fans will remember, or listeners, I should say, I don't know if we have fans, listeners <laughs> will remember that I think it was around episode three, yeah. we did an episode, I don't even really remember what our topics were. Yeah, I, I remember we blanked out the swear words with pikachu sounds that we did yeah and, yeah i i think it just we mainly talked about like our introduction to pokemon kind of our history with the series um i had not gotten addicted to the shiny grind yet or i was still in the full addiction mode i don't remember it's been three mm. years but yeah 
Yeah, it, I, it was a good episode. It was. I was having a lot of fun with it. It was a lot of fun, but all of that to say, we really just talked about and focused on our personal history with yeah. Pokemon. When we got into it, all that fun stuff. We didn't really do a deep dive on the actual um, origins of the series, how it came to be, the advertisements from YouTube that we'll end up playing and queuing up, all of that fun stuff. So that's kind of what we want to focus today's episode on is really around the origins of Pokemon. I have all kinds of notes around that. Um, you know, the sales figures, you know, for each particular game, we're getting into all of it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope all of the Pokemon fanatics out there, and even if you're just kind of a casual Pokemon fan, will get some enjoyment out of this. But Ryan and I are not going to be going into our history and when we first played Pokemon, because if you've literally listened to any episode, I would say, in the past year or so, those types of stories are bound to come up, and I think we've pretty much talked about them to death. Yeah, so for sure. Uh, we're just going to focus and get right into the general facts and history of Pokemon. So these first couple bullets that I have here is really just what is Pokemon, and then uh, some of the sales figures, and then we really get into the good stuff where we talk about its humble beginnings and origins and how it really became uh, a cultural phenomenon. So We'll first kick it off, Ryan, with some general facts. So cozy on up on the couch, get yourself a nice beverage, and enjoy a little history lesson on Pokemon here. But if you're not aware, uh, which I'd be surprised if you're listening to a video game podcast and you're not, Pokemon is a role-playing video game franchise developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo. The entire media franchise is managed by the Pokemon Company, a company founded by Game Freak, Nintendo, and Creatures Incorporated. The first video game released in 1996 in Japan for the Game Boy. The franchise centers on creatures called Pokemon, which can be captured and trained by humans known as Pokemon Trainers. And as of March 2021, so you can definitely fact check me if this is out of date or wrong, the Pokemon franchise has sold over 380 million copies worldwide. This makes Pokemon the second best-selling game franchise, only behind Mario, and in addition to that, and this fact is just fascinating to me, is Pokemon Go, the mobile game that came out many yeah. months ago by Niantic, is the most downloaded mobile game ever with over 1 billion downloads. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, like, literally people died to catch Pokemon on that. Can like, I remember there was world peace for, like, at least a month mm -hmm. when that came out. Um, it was a good time to be alive. It I was did, so cool. I didn't have a smartphone. I was using my iPod or iPad. Yeah, my iPod um, to try to catch Pokemon. Um, I know. So I was working at Mirfield at the time. and A golf course. Yeah, a yeah. golf course. And there was Wi-Fi in each one of like the villas that people could rent out. And we would drive around on our little golf carts as we were like servicing the villas um, trying to catch Pokemon. And some people were like – some people got in a lot of trouble if not fired – going on the golf course to try to catch leaf Pokemon, <laughs> like just workers traveling on golf carts around as people were playing golf. Um, I think ultimately the GM or the general manager called up Niantic directly in his head, please get rid of all hotspots on this private property. Wow. And then they ended up, cause there was like Pokestops mm -hmm. in some of the villas and some of the monuments there. Um, yeah, they got them all removed. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah. for so many years up to that point, I probably didn't explicitly say it to any of my friends or family, but you really don't understand the Pokemon craze unless you were there in the 90s. 
Yeah, for sure. Because it kind of just, it it happened and it really was a cultural phenomenon. It was like basically the same craze of Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it, people were obsessed with Pokemon and yeah. you couldn't really replicate that up to that point. And I didn't think I'd ever experience that craze again. But when Pokemon Go came out, I felt like it was very similar to the insanity of what Pokemon was in the 90s. Yeah, it was a revival of like either hibernating Pokemon fans because, I mean, at that point, the generation that grew up with the original series, like the Red and Blue, they were Mm 20-year-olds at that point. They are in college. They had the means to drive around in cars, which is terrifying because it was, hey, let's drive around, catch Pokemon while I am driving this vehicle. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was great to see. It was people who hadn't maybe played Pokemon in years getting back into it. Yeah, it was really cool to see. I mean, I remember, you know, I was about 16, 17, 18 years old. I can't remember exactly how old I was when Pokemon Go came out. Maybe a little bit older. Um, I may have been in my early 20s, actually. But regardless, I just remember driving back home and in my hometown and going to like different shopping districts and just seeing people not only even in the shopping districts, but like walking in in literal crowds on yeah. sidewalks trying to find Pokemon. It was it was literally insane, and there was no doubt about it that everyone was playing that game. Like, people weren't just going for walks and strolls down the street. They were literally huddled together, walking around with their eyes glued to their phones, playing Pokemon Go. It was crazy. Yeah, you see people like, I know when I went to Universal Studios, everyone was playing, including parents. Mm-hmm. And you'd see people like, hey, there's a Scyther over there, just letting you guys know kind of thing and it was really cool to see um it's funny that uh nikki is actually the north american representative for pokemon go for this region of the world this is this your friend it's it's our good family friend she's the like for the north american guild um, the u.s representative (laughs) you two are not good together you should not be hanging out that's we should i actually have a pokestop right at my apartment so i can sit on my couch and play I got into it for like a week or two, and then I just got distracted by like Skyrim and other games. It's I, I think my last like daily check-in game that I'll ever play was Star Wars Galaxy, Galaxy of Heroes. Heroes, and yeah, after that, like I I enjoyed Clash of Clans for a while. That was fun. I actually like opened that after years of playing, and I'm like, I'm happy where this left off. I never need to touch this game again. But mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it's hard for me, at least, to do daily check-ins, but yeah. it, it's a fun game. It's definitely a fun game. It sure is, but Ryan, let's get into some of the sales figures here for the Pokemon series. This is just mainline that I have pulled up. I don't have any of the snaps or stadiums of the world captured here, but uh, can you venture to guess what is the best-selling Pokemon game of all time? Maybe the original one? Um, just because it's been out for 20 years, I'd have to say. Yeah, there's no real surprise here. So red, green, blue, and yellow together cumulatively have the greatest sales figure at 73.02 million holy shit which is a pretty pretty big number and then uh perhaps not surprising uh that's that's more than last generation's xbox sold like the console sold yeah i I probably is playstation was like a hundred and something million and i think switch was like 40 and xbox was around the same yeah, it's nuts. So. The sales figures are off the charts. And perhaps not very surprising, Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal come in at number two with 42.84 million units sold. And then uh, we kind of just go down right in the chronological order here. 
Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald at 37.74 million. And then uh, after that, we have uh, favorites of ours, Pokemon Sun and Moon at 25.31 million. Not not actual favorites of ours, <laughs> but uh, I, Sun not and Moon's Sun and Moon's interesting because I feel like that may have been a generation where um, a lot of younger kids got on the Pokemon train. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a terrible game. It's just having played the good original generations, it was so different. Yeah, um, they changed up the formula a ton, but I could definitely see. That being a good starting point. I know Let's Go Pikachu was another big one that helped bring in the Let's Go fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And then after that, you get into Diamond Pearl Platinum at 25.27 million. Then Black and White at 24.16 million. And this stat is crazy to me. Pokemon Sword and Shield has already sold 22.64 million, which I only expect to go way up as you know the Switch continues to sell and move ridiculous units. And I mean, really any of these switch Pokemon games is bound to surpass 20 million units sold. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'd be curious to see what the remakes so far in like their first week have sold. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that's a high stat. Oh yeah. It's probably pretty significant. So, so yeah, I mean, it's insane to think that the franchise has sold over 380 million copies worldwide to date. Uh, to think that this little idea, as we'll get into here with some fun facts, uh, this one person had an idea and a concept for a video game, and it ended up becoming literally one of the best-selling franchises ever to grace video game consoles. Yeah, it's crazy after 300 million copies, they're still hurting for money to build a big enough development team to make a good Pokemon game in the newest generations. Yeah, and that's an argument that we could get into. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I just, I'm just thrown out a grenade. Yeah. But, like, yeah. No, it's... I, I'm glad it's doing so well because it's such an amazing franchise. Absolutely. You can't catch all 150 Pokemon by yourself. So close. You need a friend to train with. No! <laughs> So you can grab a link cable and a friend with a Game Boy, and with both packs, you can catch them all. Alright, Ryan, as we continue along with the fun facts, this next kind of stretch of text is really around the humble beginnings and origins of Pokemon. So I call this little story here, From Childhood Dream to Pocket Monster Reality. Are you ready for some fun facts? I'm ready. Alrighty, here we go. Strap in, my friends. Pokemon was invented by a Japanese man named Satoshi uh, Tajiri and his friend Ken uh, Sugimori, who's an illustrator. Back in 1982, Satoshi started a gaming magazine together with his friends called, believe it or not, Game Freak. But after a while, he decided to start making his own video games instead of writing about them. In 1989, Satoshi turned Game Freak into a gaming company, and together with his friends, they released a few games, such as Pulse Man most of which did fairly well. Satoshi's idea about collecting animals and Pokemon came from his love of being in the garden as a child. As a boy, he would spend hours finding and collecting bugs and insects. He spent so much time doing it that his friends even called him Dr. Bug, and he originally wanted to become a bug scientist or entomologist to give it its proper name. So in the early 1990s, inspired by his childhood hobby of exploring forests and finding bugs and tadpoles, 
Satoshi came up with the idea for Pocket Monsters, or as it's better known today, Pokemon, and he pitched it to Nintendo. Nintendo was a bit unsure about Pocket Monsters at first, but eventually accepted, and Satoshi spent the next six years working with legendary game maker Shigeru Miyamoto, the man behind Mario and the Legend of Zelda, to make Pocket Monsters a reality. So on February 27th, 1996, Pocket Monsters was released in a red and green version for the Game Boy in Japan. Of course, our versions, we got red versus blue. Uh, and had Ash versus Gary. But the interesting thing here, Ryan, I think that you'll like, in the Japanese games and in the Japanese TV series, the main character is not called Ash. His name is Satoshi, and his rival's not Gary. It's Shigeru as a tribute to those two developing the game series together. Oh, that's really cool. Isn't that pretty neat? So, as Ryan and I kind of talked a little earlier, the games went on to sell millions of copies, were later released in the U.S. in 1998, and the UK a year later as red and blue version instead of green, and the name was also shortened from Pocket Monsters to Pokemon. Since then, as you should know at this point, seven more generations of Pokemon games have been released, from Gold and Silver to Ruby and Sapphire, Diamond and Pearl, Black and White, X and Y, Sun and Moon, and most recently, Sword and Shield. With each new generation more Pokemon join the games, uh... Maybe not to everyone's liking. So much more than fact that there are now around 898 different species of Pokemon. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Ryan, is do you remember when you were a kid and talking about on the playground that green version existed out there? Or did you ever know about that? I didn't really know about that until more recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just remember some of the rumors about because there weren't really any way to look up because the internet was so young mm-hmm. any way to figure out where you catch pokemon how you get mew because we knew that mew was a thing because of the first movie mm-hmm. so i remember a lot of those rumors like hey go behind that truck and then on like the first tuesday of a march you can catch mew or whatever mm-hmm. but like yeah i didn't know that green version was a thing yeah i remember of all places being at like uh, my taekwondo place like because I grew up doing karate with my sister and my dad. Fun fact, my dad, my sister, and I all have our first degree black belts in Taekwondo. Uh, We did that many, many moons ago. But anyways, I remember being like in the gym talking to some friends prior to our practice or whatever you call a Taekwondo session. And uh, my my buddy at the time had, had talked about that in Japan, there was Pokemon green version, but instead we got red and blue here. And it was just one of those things that you had no way to really verify it back then. Yeah. It's not like I could just pull out, whip out my uh, my iPhone and Google it real quick. Yeah. So it just became kind of this, And then you know, download an emulator on your phone immediately. Yeah. <laughs> We're spoiled nowadays. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, it was just, to me, such a distant thing that I, you know, we talked about as kids, but we never were able to verify. So, but years later, I actually um, had a friend in college that went and visited some family in Japan and uh, I asked if he could find Pokemon Red, Blue, and Green version on the Japanese Japanese Game Boy Color, and he got complete inbox copies for me. So those are sitting over there in my little uh, my little shrine of relics, the prized possessions of my game collection. Yeah, it's a really cool collection. So, yeah, very cool stuff. It's always fun to see and hear about like the humble origins of a particular gaming franchise, and also to think that you know. Uh, I don't think I had the fun fact in here. Maybe it's a little bit further down the lo- the road here, uh, but that they almost called it quits after the first generation. 
Really? But because it sold so well, they were like, no, we, we need to put our foot on the gas and keep going forward. Well, hearing that the, the creator really liked like looking at bugs and collecting bugs, and then they named the two main characters in Japan off of those guys, it makes sense that one of the earliest and most emotional story arcs in the anime is the Butterfree arc. Mm, yeah. Um, so... And I'm not sure how heavy a hand, you know, Satoshi had in the scripts or the um, the anime series of like kind of what went down story-wise. Yeah. But it's interesting to think about. I, I wonder if, you know, his love of bugs and stuff like that growing up had an influence to the, the arcs in the anime. Yeah, I don't know. Remains to be seen. We'll have to do some, uh, some research behind the scenes here. Look who's back. This time, the two of you are partners in the latest installment of the Pokemon Saga. It's Pokemon Yellow, the special Pikachu edition for Game Boy Color, where it's you and Pikachu catching as many as you can together. Look for the Pokemon Yellow Bundle Pack. It includes a limited edition Pokemon Game Boy and Yellow Game Pack. Alrighty, Ryan. So getting away from kind of the general trivia, the history of the series... Now we're kind of just getting into some interesting little tidbits that I found out on the internet, some of which I was able to verify. Others, they're kind of just weird fun facts out there, and I don't really know if they're true, but they sound they sound true enough. So, yeah. so we'll just go ahead and get into them. This first one here, you and I have briefly talked about in the past, and that's the Pokemon War? Yes. Question mark. So as deep as any theory surrounding the Pokemon franchise, specifically the game series, but still pertaining to the franchise as a whole, is the Pokemon War Theory, also referred to as the Kanto War Theory. Explaining the, the lack of adult males within the game, the Pokemon War Theory claims that red, blue, and yellow versions all take place just a few years after a devastating war between Kanto and a neighboring nation, usually theorized to be Johto from the title's respective sequels. This additionally goes on to explain the lack of infrastructure within Kanto, as well as the reasoning behind why fathers are largely absent from the game's roster of characters. This speculation is, of course, nothing more than a fan theory that it attempts to explain a few of the game's more interesting plot points and character decisions, but nevertheless, it is an interesting read. Without confirmation from the studio behind the games, it's impossible to say one way or another if this rumor is true or not, but the fun behind this theory is the belief that it could be true. While Pokemon's creators may not have intended this deep of a backstory to be involved in a children's video game and a subsequent television series, it's fun to theorize and read into the speculation. Ryan, do you think this theory is to be true? Yes. Um, in my own head canon, this totally happened. And Lieutenant Surge, um, he was part of the like electric battalion. Um or one of the leaders in that war. So, yeah, I would love to have a competent video game about the Pokemon War. Um, I mean, you're already, like, basically fighting animals together. So having warring nations kind of the next step. Yeah. And I, I think you? it's one you... of those things that when they created the game, it was never, like, intentionally done. But because yeah, the no. fan base is so rabid, you, you, would, you have to anticipate or expect that they're going to read between the lines. And start yeah. theorizing things that while the original developers didn't really anticipate or intend for that to be the case, I totally see this Pokemon War thing being a reality. Yeah, no, completely. And especially with Pokemon X, didn't they talk about some type of war? Pokemon X and Y was about like the 
like destruction of the world, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I know there was like that giant guy. Yeah. And like, yeah, some weird stuff. I okay. completely forget the plot of that. That was in college. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. No yeah, worries. There's definitely been hints of a darker version of Pokemon mm-hmm. kind of underneath. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, moving right along here, 190 original Pokemon is this next one. So catching all 151 original Pokemon stood as a monumental task back in the late 90s, but the game's gotta catch them all mantra could have been much harder to adhere by if the title had contained all 190 Pokemon that were real, that were originally intended to debut in red, blue, and yellow. According to reports, it is said that the unused designs of the remaining 30 Pokemon, 39 Pokemon, were saved for the game's ensuing sequels, Gold and Silver along with the 39 unused creatures from Generation 1, an additional 66 Pokemon were created and added to the Pokédex of the second gen. Among some of the fan-favorite Pokemon rumored to have been deliberately omitted from the first gen of games were Caesar, Elekid, Dawnfan, Heracross, Tyranitar, and a number of the second generation's legendaries, just to name a few, which I totally believe because in the very like first or second episode of the anime, ash sees ho-ho yeah yeah so yeah and i think you can actually see the sprites like i think cinticoil or one of the early evolutions of like the second gen starters is in there as well mm, yeah. okay it's they're very elementary stages of the pokemon um from at least what i've seen what they're able to extract years later yeah yeah, yeah you can actually go out and see those sprites very cool all right well speaking of the fact that i talked about earlier We finally actually have it here. Gold and Silver were meant to be the last Pokemon games. Developed by just four programmers, the 1999 games were originally intended to be the last in the series, but they were met with such acclaim that they decided to make more. Four programmers. Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And those four programmers are still the only people working on a Pokemon game today. It seems like. Rumor has it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense why they imported the entire first gen map. Yeah. as like a second part, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and kind of riding that same fun fact, the anime was only meant to last for one season. When the Pokemon anime first aired in the nineties, it was only planned as a one-off series to promote the game. However, it proved surprisingly popular and there have been over 20 series, probably seasons they mean, in 23 films. It's also currently one of the longest-running anime series ever. Yeah, and I think that's why after the first gen in the uh, anime, they had to go to the Orange Islands, which seems really out of place to the rest of kind of let's go through a region. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and that was more of like, hey, we don't know what the fuck we're doing behind the scenes. We need to stall, throw out some Orange Island and like 37 more badges. Mm -hmm. Because I think Ash actually has like 16 badges or Gary has someone in that he actually whips out like extra badges. Mm, okay. So yeah, it's a unique time. One more recently, um, kind of an anticipation of diamond and pearl getting the remix coming out. I bought a couple extra Pokemon seasons. So I already have the first three, I think. And, um, so it's Kanto, uh, orange islands, two or three seasons of Johto, and then eventually you go to the Ruby Sapphire region. Yeah. Which is like Hoenn or something, or Sinnoh or one of them. I can't really remember. It's Hoenn. Um, but the anime is still fun. Like, obviously, it's it's very geared and catered towards kids. You have the guess that Pokemon. 
somehow Team Rocket shows up every fucking episode and they still don't know who the heck they are every single time. And they're not dead yet. It's yeah. basically like Home Alone activities where they explode, they're electrocuted to death, but somehow they get up and they're taking bricks to the face. So. It's all part of the fun, all part of the Pokemon experience. But yeah, it, it's interesting that you know they only intended one season to promote the, the, the games and then... Again, Pokemon exploded, cultural phenomenon took off, and 20 series later, or 20 seasons later, and it's still going strong. But one thing I did actually learn in in researching and doing some of my prep for this episode was apparently Ash became, on paper, a Pokemon master in the Sun and Moon anime series. Really? So he finally has gotten the title of Pokemon master. Oh, shit. I know he finally got beat the Elite Four, or, yeah, I think he beat the Elite Four finally. So maybe that was part of the Sun and Moon anime. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, but at that point, does he like retreat and become like a, a hermit pokey or a Professor Oak? Or I mean, is he's he... still 10 years old after 20 years. <laughs> so he's, I mean, he's found immortality. You should start selling that. Well, like the first one, I think when he went to the Elite Four, was it the Elite Four? It was, he ended up losing because Charizard didn't respect him. If yeah. you remember that. Mm-hmm. And then you had Pikachu with like a little hair flip on the <laughs> opponent's team. Yeah, but I, he's finally won. I think he, I forget his team, but I think it's the Infernape Infernape team mm. that he ended up winning with. Okay, yeah. very cool, very cool. And, and Pikachu's still with him. <laughs> he's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. they, they they came on some tough times. They make made a journey that they couldn't finish, and they had to eat him. <laughs> <laughs> I heard co- cooked Pikachu tail is really good. Uh. It's like. Yeah, I've heard that too. Fin. Definitely a delicacy you can't find nowadays, but uh, very <laughs> Can you interesting. imagine? No. Just fucking ro- spit roasting your Pikachu. It's <laughs> just like, hey, you guys wanted some drumsticks? <laughs> we love you, Pikachu. We do. You're we not do. dead in our hearts. Speaking of some really interesting facts about food, the colors of the Pokeballs, and this is one I did not verify, the colors of the Pokeballs are actually based on Campbell's soup cans. <laughs> Sounds insane. Yeah. But when you look up a photograph of Campbell's soup on a shelf, it's uncanny and you can't unsee it. Yeah. The top portion's red. The bottom's white. Yeah. And you have the little gold emblem in the center of the can. And it looks oh, like a Pokeball. I didn't realize the emblem. Yeah. So it's it's pretty weird. Um, so whether it was intentional or not, they I can definitely Campbell's see it. Campbell's in Japan? It doesn't seem like a normal staple. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. This next one is also pretty ridiculous. So for Pokemon, the first movie, uh, of course, Mew, Mewtwo, that whole good, all that good stuff. The studio wanted to replace all of the anime voice actors with popular celebrities at the time. So in order to try and sell as many tickets as possible, the studio planned to replace all of those voice actors, including Leonardo DiCaprio as Ash. Reminds me of the uh, Mario movie coming out. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking lineup. <laughs> Chris Pratt, Mario. <laughs> Doesn't seem like an Italian guy, but let's fuck it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Which, I mean, we grew up with Ash Ketcher. Um, what is her name? Uh, her name escapes me. I'm sure someone will, will post in the Discord. Um, Veronica something? Veronica Taylor. Veronica okay. Taylor is the voice of Ash Ketchum. And, um, yeah, you cannot have anyone else voicing Ash. Just don't do that. Yeah. It would be like Ash went through puberty. <laughs> Let me paint you, Pikachu, like my French girls. <laughs> Whoa, dude, bro, you're 10. <laughs> it's so much nudity in a kid show. 
<laughs> that would be awesome. My Lapras is going down here. Jump on a door. <laughs> <laughs> we hit an iceberg after fucking ice beam. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah. I don't even want to know, but maybe we should do an episode entirely around casting a Pokemon movie with the most popular celebrities. I'm game. Yeah. Oh, all right. Ryan, we have uh, another little commercial that I want to play, and it's one that you found, and it's based on this weird little toy. Um, I actually, like, recognize those toys from the commercial. I have some, like, I have the Blastoise. I don't know if I have the Derpy Pikachu, but I think I have the King from this toy. Okay. Okay. Very In my cool. little uh, drawer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, Ryan's, like, childhood treasures yeah. in your room. Alrighty, everyone. Well, brace yourselves for this ridiculous 1990s Pokemon toy ad. It's ridiculous, but so fun. Pokemon are everywhere. They're invading. Each with powers more awesome than the next. Pokemon are burning with flame power. Their whirlwind power blows them away. There's nowhere to hide. Yikes! Can they be mastered? Yes. The more Pokemon you catch, the more powers you gain. You can put Pokemon power in your pocket. Gotta catch them all! Pokemon Ball Blasters, Battle Figures, Power Bouncers, and Talking Pokemon, each sold separately from Hasbro. Who doesn't love a good Pokemon Ball Buster, Ryan? Dude, that's what I'm into every morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love well, this. Well, like, so you guys can't see it unless yeah. you Google Pokemon Ball Buster, so be careful what site you're searching that on. But it's literally like Pokemon floating above a kid... He opens up his pants and Pokemon start just flying down his pants. <laughs> and then it's like Pokemon Ball Buster. It's like, what the fuck is going on in the 90s that that's okay? <laughs> well, one of the really common uh, themes of those Pokemon ads, because we pulled up a number of them. It was just straight up murder. was like literally people getting, or a, a, a bus driver getting all the Pokemon in the bus, taking it to like a compound and crushing the car and then it's like here's a game boy color and like even in the yellow version one that was on here earlier it was a kid with on a crane lifting a car full of pokemon to essentially do the same thing basically they're trying to show we're crushing them down to pocket size so you can go in but like it's flat out murder <laughs> pokemon yeah. in a car crusher i get the concept but in practice it, it's uh, kind of rough well. yeah uh, well, the last kind of, I would say, fun fact thing we want to get to, Ryan, is just I have a link pulled up, and I just want to walk through a couple of these Pokemon cards and the ridiculous prices they've sold for over the years. Like, I'm talking about those, you know, Betty and whatever his name was, Gem, Gem Mint 10s. Yeah. Like, these are the Gem Mint 10s to end all Gem Mint 10 cards. So, uh, you figure we just start at the top? Yeah, sure. So, what is this little graphic What do we want to do top five? Let's do top five. Yeah. So maybe five to one? Yeah. Let's do five to one. All right. We're scrolling up here a little bit. Number five is a family event, Kangaskong, sold for $150,100. A little blurb here. Just four or five years ago, the family event, Kangaskong, promo card, was selling for around $10,000. In October 2020, however, a PSA Gem MT10, I assume Gem MT10. Gem MT10 copy sold for more than 15 times that amount the card in question was sold by pwcc auctions through ebay with the final bid standing at a mammoth 150,100. the card itself was given out in japan following a parent and child pokemon tournament held in 1998 
families battled other families with the parent and child teams who racked up the most wins being awarded the Kangaskong promo card. There are only 11 Gem Mint 10 copies of the card in circulation with a combined value of over $1.5 million. That's crazy. That is pretty insane. Number four, (laughs) really ridiculous looking card here. Ishihara GX promo selling for $247,230. The Black Star Ishara GX promo card was created to celebrate the 60th birthday of the current president of the Pokemon company, um, Tsuni Kazu Ishihara. The card was handed out to a handful of employees and friends with one able to get their copy autographed by the great man himself. In early 2021, this card, which was subsequently given a 7 grade by the PSA, was sold by Golden Auctions for just shy of a quarter of a million dollars. Since 2017, just 8 copies of the card have been graded by the PSA, with only one of those able to achieve the Gem Mint 10 status. Whether this would end up selling for more than the one sold by Golden is a matter for debate, as as though it is in better condition. It doesn't have Ishihara's autograph, which may make it less desirable in some collector's eyes. Ryan, I'm going to move this over here because my so my eyes aren't so strained. No, that's cool. the The Pokemon card for his, like it's it's obviously the guy on the card. His HP was 350, and then his attack was uh, 60. Congratulations, GX, a thousand sixty damage mm. with only two energies required. Very interesting. So that's yeah. one powerful card. Probably not competition legal. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Number three here, Blastoise Wizards of the Coast presentation, Galaxy Star Hollow, sold for $360,000. It's been almost a quarter of a century since the Wizards of the Coast first pitched the idea of a Pokemon trading card game to Nintendo. Rumor has it that ahead of the pitch, the trading card company printed out two copies of of a single card to entice the Japanese giant, Galaxy Star Presentation Blastoise. In early 2021, one of those copies was sold by Heritage Auctions for $360,000. Such is the rarity of the card, neither of the two copies known to exist has ever been sent to the PSA for grading. Had the card gone up for auction a year or so earlier when Pokemon card values were at their peak, this would have likely sold for more than half a million dollars and broken the record for the most expensive Pokemon card in the process. Wow. Two Beautiful copies. card, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Number two, Ryan, we're getting close to the number one here. Pikachu Illustrator, selling for $375,000. The Pikachu Illustrator card has held the record for the most expensive Pokemon card ever sold on several occasions, but currently sits in second place. A copy of the card was first sold at auction for $74,000 in late 2016, with another bringing in $190,000 just a few few years later. In July of 2020, a third copy sold for a staggering 25 million yen through Japanese marketplace Zen Plus before the current highest sale price was registered via eBay in early 2021. The card itself was handed out to the winners of an illustration contest held by the Japanese monthly manga Korokoro Comics in 1998. Just 39 copies of the card were ever printed, and only 12 of those are known to be in good condition. Interestingly, the copy that sold for 375000 was only a PSA 7, 
So if the only existing Gem Mint 10 copy were to ever go to auction, it would likely fetch an astronomical amount and help the Pikachu Illustrator card to reclaim the top spot. Wow. I love how each of these cards has a backstory to it. Yeah. Not many of them are just like people want to pay, you know, top dollar for, you know, a Pikachu card. These are literally cards that, yeah, Yeah. were at some type of crazy event. Very few quantities exist. And certainly a few quantities exist that are in good condition. Yeah. And it's cool seeing the difference between the back of the U.S. uh, versus the Japanese. Uh, My dad ended up going to Japan, I think, in 2002 or three, And I remember he bought me a Pokemon card pack. Mm. So we saw those back. Like, I've seen that back since like 2002. That's pretty cool. I may need to go back and double check because I know I got a holographic. Well, I had some friends in elementary school that um, their dads had, they they were Japanese and they moved to the States because their dad's job uh, caused them to relocate. And so I saw a lot of these cards too, like in elementary school because they only had purchased cards to that point in Japan. So some of those circulated on the playground when you were trading with friends. But anyways, we get to the number one card here, and if you're familiar with PSA-graded Gem Mint 10 Pokemon cards, this should not be too much of a surprise. The number one card is first edition Shadowless Charizard, selling for a whopping $399,750. Controversial YouTuber Logan Paul made headlines in October 2020 when he spent 150000 on a first edition Shadowless Char- Charizard card. Perhaps surprisingly low, though, this is not the most expensive copy of the card ever sold. It's not even close, in fact. The current record holder comes courtesy of Golden Auctions, who sold a copy of the card for just shy of 400000 just a few months later, making Shadowless base set Charizard the most expensive Pokemon card ever sold by quite some margin. According to the PSA website, there are just 54 Gem Mint 10 copies of the card in existence, which goes some way to explaining their value. Given that base set Charizard was produced in such high volumes, however, it's entirely possible that there are hundreds more copies out there just waiting to be discovered, if not thousands. Yeah, because I think he wore this on like a diamond chain when he went out to, was it his Mayweather fight? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is cool. It's a weird flex. <laughs> it it but, is. Yeah. It's a very weird flex. I wish I had douchebag money that I could buy a shadowless Gemini 10. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it'd be really neat. I think you and I've talked about this off the podcast before is you have like a giant, um, case on the wall with all 151 Pokemon. I was, I was looking at it, um, the original and it was like five grand. When I looked at it like a year or so ago, mm. it's probably far lar- or higher now. But my friend back elementary school, he actually had the like original 150. Mm. Um, I never got that into it. That'd be pretty cool to have. Yeah, packs were expensive. They're like three bucks a pack. Mm-hmm. Three ninety nine yeah. with tax, dude. If I were an adult with a job in the nineties, I would have bought the shit out of those packs. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Money was a precious commodity as a kid. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Now, because I don't own a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's crazy how much those Pokemon. It's not like Beanie Babies <laughs> were able to match those prices. Yeah. Well, I saw some uh, meme picture the other day of like um, a man and a woman in a courthouse, like basically going through a divorce. 
and they had all their beanie babies in the center of the courtroom trying to figure out who how they were going to split the beanie babies. Well, there's some that like I think it was like Princess Diana beanie babies. It was like 15 grand or something ridiculous, yeah. but yeah, I remember some people were buying them as like a retirement plan and like it was like holy shit. Uh, I actually saw a video of it was uh millennial versus like Gen Z and it was a girl in the middle. And was like holding a beanie baby and was like, only one of you will probably know what this means. And she rips off that T-Y tag. Oh. And it's like, oh, fuck. It lost like all of its value. <laughs> and then uh, it was like the Gen Z kid was like, does that mean anything? And it's yeah. like, <laughs> mom used to freaking write like R- R- RC for Ryan and like LC for Lauren on the little tags. I'm like, you're killing me. Yeah. No. Literally just dropped in value by 75%. Yeah, just it's worth nothing now. Yeah. But yeah. Good times. Oh, all right, Ryan. Well, what do you say we move away from all of the fun facts and Pokemon card craziness and get into some top five Pokemon game action? Let's do it. Today's assignment, photograph the elusive Pokemon. How do you do it? You're going to be fast. You need a keen eye. The best equipment and lightning quick reflexes. No, you don't. All you need is Pokemon Snap, the first Pokemon game for N64. Find them, frame them, and shoot. You can even bring your Snap cartridge to a participating Blockbuster video and print out stickers of your favorites. Doesn't look like they're coming out today. Odd luck. Pokemon Snap. Gotta catch them. Well, why don't you get us started, Ryan, with your first pick? All right. So my number five out of our top five games is Pokemon Coliseum. Nice. Um, so this is the GameCube game where you had zero training or zero grinding, actually. And it was actually, it, I think it's one of the hardest Pokemon games out there mm-hmm. without doing challenge runs. Um, but they have this weird concept where you have shadow balls and most of the trainers have, or if not all of the trainers have a shadow Pokemon. And you're able to basically snag that Pokemon from them and slowly train off their shadowness before you can start leveling them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, I think probably why this is one of my favorite games is you start out with Espeon and Umbreon, which are great Pokemon. Um, and yeah, it, it was a really challenging game. I think I had to put it down for maybe a half a year when I was a kid. Cause I mean, like most tough games like Donkey Kong country for you or GK 64 for you. Um, this was one of the ones that I just couldn't beat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, when I got my favorite Pokemon in that game, Tyranitar, it gave me motivation to keep on getting the dogs and then going through the Elite Four. Very nice. Pokemon Call seems a great pick. I know I brought it to the Destiny Island with me when we did our GameCube special episode. Like I said in that episode, I'm not sure how well that game holds up today. I just remember all my friends talking about and dreaming and wishing that we had a console Pokemon mainline game. And I always pointed to Pokemon Coliseum and said, hey, it's not exactly what you're looking for, but it's the best thing that we have at this point. Yeah. And um, that's actually my number four pick. Uh, I'm a big fan of Pokemon Coliseum, or at least I was growing up. And uh, I'd like to eventually, one, replay that, but then also play XD Gale of Darkness. Yeah, I never played the second one. That's yeah. where I love the color combination of Shadow Lugia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lugia is one of my favorite as well. Uh, but yeah, he just looks so good. We, Lauren, I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this previously. Lauren and I used to have like coloring books from like Scholastic Kids from like oh. those little book things oh, every week. The at book fair, dude. Yeah, Heck it was yeah. great. And one of them was like coloring in Pokemon. 
and we ended up <laughs> printing out pictures of like Lugia making copies of it and having the parents color in Lugia <laughs> with us and like hanging it on their mirrors. Nice. Uh, yeah, good times. Yeah. yeah. To be a kid again and go to the Scholastic Book Fair, man. Grab those I Spy books and where's Waldo? So good. Those are yeah. the good days. Get that po- really shiny Pokemon Pokedex book. Oh, I still have the that. One. Yeah, yeah I, I hang that. I hung that um that poster up in my bedroom as a kid too. Oh gosh, the so, best of times, the simplest of times. I'm gonna rattle off a couple honorable mentions here before I get to my okay. number five pick. Uh, Pokemon Snap, the OG. I, I really couldn't get into the new Pokemon Snap nowadays. It just the gameplay loop just doesn't really do it for me. But I love the original Pokemon Snap because. Uh, it was kind of your original OG Pokemon Red and Blue Pokemon, and um, it was just a great, fun N64 game that uh, there was really nothing like it at the time. So that one, Pokemon Stadium 1 or 2, which everyone had like the really fun uh, little mini games. They were very similar to the Mario Party mini games. Yeah. Um, I just remember playing that a lot with my friends, and I also loved the Pokemon Stadium announcer. Yeah, no. no, Pokemon Stadium was actually my number four. Okay, yeah, um, those are fun games. Yeah, so many hours, like similar to Smash, that was one of the ones that you um, just hop on with your neighborhood friends and uh, have some battles. Yeah, those those that's a really good time. And uh, I don't know if I have Pokemon Stadium 1. I know I don't have the second one because it's pretty pricey, but yeah. I'd like to get it again and pop that cartridge in. It's, I, it's a fun time. I think I have the original. I never got the one with the second gen okay okay and then my third honorable mention is a series i've never really delved deep into just because you know as the grinding experience of pokemon can be very tedious this kind of takes that to the nth degree and that's the pokemon mystery dungeon series yeah i never got into that either more recently on switch uh rescue team dx came out which i believe is a remake of blood and blue and red rescue team on the game boy advance ds Mm -hmm. so kind of the whole um uh, thing about this game is you kind of start as a, a human, you get turned into a Pokemon, and at the very beginning of the game, you take a personality test to kind of set the basis for which handful of Pokemon you're going to choose from to, one, turn into, yeah. but also to have an ally that you go through the game. And the whole loop of it is you take on like a number of quests or jobs or just think your random side quests in you know a Skyrim-type game. You go into these dungeons, they're all procedurally generated, and you go through a series of floors to beat all the Pokemon that are there. Yeah. And you just grind your way um, to the top. I'm not sure how you beat this game. I don't know if you go into like the ultimate dungeon and, and eventually make your way through 30 floors or whatever. But this game always just seemed like very conducive to listening to podcasts, watching your favorite or binging your favorite movies and TV shows. Very, very grind heavy. Um but it just seemed kind of a, a neat, unique take on uh, the Pokemon series. Yeah, and it has a very extensive um, end game from what I've heard. Oh, really? Um, so Rick played the crap out of the one in the Switch. Mm. And I think the concept is also you're only the first evolution of that Pokemon through okay. the entire game. Okay. So, Interesting. Until the post game. Yeah. So, yeah, that, those are kind of my honorable mentions. My number five pick is a game that I played in college it doesn't get a whole lot of love, and unfortunately, like a lot of the DS era Pokemon games, it goes for a stupid amount of money now, and I unfortunately no longer have my copy, and that's Pokemon Conquest. Oh, So okay. this is a tactical, if you're not familiar with it, tactical strategy RPG, so think your Fire Emblems, your Final Fantasy Tactics, and it's actually a crossover between Pokemon and, I'm going to butcher the name, 
but uh, no- no- Nobunaga's Ambition, which was a tactical RPG series on the Genesis Super Nintendo. And it's kind of the same loop in terms of your Pokemon leveling up, evolving, but you go through and fight a number of gym trainers and eventually um, just battle a, a, a whole slew of trainers, but you're fighting on these little grid-based environments. Yeah. And you kind of progress in this entire map, make your way to the very end, you fight, you know, the equivalent of the Elite Four, if you will, uh, but it's just a very unique and different take on Pokemon, perfect for the DS but unfortunately, it's a little pricey nowadays if you if you want to try and get a copy. Yeah, I know you've mentioned that one before. Um, it's a really unique concept. That'd be cool for them to try that again. I doubt that'll that'll never happen. But it'd be yeah. cool to get a Conquest too, especially on the Switch. Um, yeah, I doubt it'll ever happen with all the Pokemon remakes, and you know now the focus is on stuff like Snap, and and of course you have Arceus coming out soon. But I'd love to see Conquest too. I would absolutely buy it. It was a very unique take on the Pokemon. Uh, battling and uh, yeah, I'd happily buy a sequel. Nice, but um, so, so I guess this is my third. Yeah, exactly. Stadium was my fourth. Um, so this is going to be Pokemon Red and Blue, and then also uh, Fire Red, Leaf Green. Uh, just that generation, mm-hmm. that first generation mm-hmm. of games, and then the remakes. And I kind of did that for all of them. But yeah, no, I mean this was my first introduction to Pokemon, and this was. Bring your Game Boy Color, Game Boy, just flat out Game Boy to the recess with your cartridge. Um, I was a blue port, blue version kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, this was just such a good time being the OG and knowing nothing mm-hmm. because there wasn't anything online. Um, there, I mean, there was like game facts and things, but you didn't know how true those were. And it was all about the rumors and trying to figure it out as a class. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the sense of discovery in the original Pokemon can never be really replicated because we've played so many Pokemon games to this point and we just expect the gameplay loop of going into the grass and running into a Pokemon. And if we're not familiar with the Pokemon we run into in like a Sword and Shield game, it just looks like a reskin of a Zubat or another version of a Diglett or something like that. So... Again, that sense of discovery is kind of lost. The enjoyment is still there, but the be- the next best thing I can hope for at this point, and kind of selfishly, when Lauren and I have kids, I'm not going to force video games on them if it's not something that they take a liking to, so be it. But I would love for like my you know five, six-year-old kid picking up like a copy of Fire Red and yeah. playing that for the first time, seeing what Pokemon they select based on the OG Starter 3, and then also just that sense of discovery of walking out in the wild, trying to find where you're supposed to go, what is the the sixth you know Pokemon you're going to try and go on this journey with to the very end. Um, it was such a special time, and you're right, like the you didn't really know what to expect. The, you didn't really consult the internet much. It really was the rumor mill on the the playground of figuring out, you know, which friend of yours got to the Elite Four, got to the end game before you. Yeah. Going to the fucking Safari Zone and trying to make your way through that to get what? Was it Surf at the very end of that? Yeah, the, it was Surf. The HM you had to get, like getting there was a nightmare like, because... hey, did your game glitch out? I found this weird looking Missingo yeah. next to the island or the seventh gym. Um, yeah, it was, it was really a cool time or like, Hey, I'm stuck here. Um, how do I get the polka flute? Oh, mm-hmm. did you find team rocket? 
underneath this casino. It's like, no, shit, where's that? And then going and, like, having them show you. Or, like, just saying, like, dude, did you find this person? No, that's a weird-looking guy. Why is that pony on fire? Mm -hmm. Or, like, yeah, it, it was just a really cool time. And then being able to, like, similar to the commercial we showed earlier, having a link cable and having to trade over Pokemon for, like, Machoke to Machamp. You had to trade it. Um, There were some other trade. Kadabra to Alakazam. Yeah, exactly. But not knowing, like, that you needed to do that to get to that final evolution. Because if you never looked it up, you know, your Kadabra would be literally, like, level 60. And it's like, what do I need to do to get this person to evolve? Yeah. And, like, I mean, you could think of that, like, Dragonair as well. It, It evolves at 55. So you're like, shit, is this a trade guy? You trade. Oh, no, it isn't. Okay, so let's maybe keep on training. And this never happened to me, but I'm sure there were people out there that, you know, you had friends or quote unquote friends that manipulated you into trading your Kadabra to his friend and say, I'll trade it, but only under the condition that you trade it back because I want to make sure I get my Alakazam. And it's like, screw you, man. And then you, the person runs off. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's examples of that. It never happened to me, fortunately, because I just, I didn't know anyone that was I that. beat the shit out of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would call in a favor from one of the bigger kids if someone took my uh, my Kadabra or my Machoke. Yeah, I remember, um, like, maybe it's not this, maybe it's silver version, but, like, being at, like, one of those uh, little, I forget the name of the organization, but, like, basketball tournaments where you're, you're waiting in line or you're waiting your term, turn so you can play in middle school or elementary school. And, like, we were off on the sidelines, like, trading Pokemon. I just remember specifically trading Meryl, trying to get an Azurill. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was a good time. Very good time, for sure. Um, Is that on your list? It was. That was my number one. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. So, Fire Red specifically, uh, just an incredible, I guess I would probably consider it more a remaster than a remake um, of the original games. Just seeing that traditionally black and white game come to life in full color was so special. I remember, and I loved the cartridge too, um, both Leaf Green and Fire Red. Uh, just a great little Game Boy Advance cart. And I think I I know I have Fire Red. I might have Leaf Green as well. And I just have the cartridge. But very special games, um, or very special remakes of a game I hold very dear uh, to my childhood. So that's my number one. My number three, and I wouldn't be surprised... If one, our top three is not surprising to anyone, but if they're also the exact same as each other, just different yeah. rankings. My number three is Pokemon Alpha Sapphire. Um, the, the first three Pokemon games are just so special to me. They are just so formative in my enjoyment of both video games, but also RPGs. I think they probably were for a lot of people. That first three generations, um, I mean, for a lot of people, probably you played pokemon red or blue or yellow on a an og fat game boy and then maybe you got gold and silver and at the same time you got a game boy color yeah and then around the time ruby and sapphire came out you may have gotten a game boy advance or game boy advance sp yeah i went from a purple clear uh game boy color to a white game boy advance to then uh ds Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Alpha Sapphire, I know IGN is um, kind of most notable for the review of those remakes saying that there's too much water, <laughs> uh, which I'd probably yeah. tend to agree in the late game. There's a lot of surfing around to get to the next gym diving. or the next island or the diving mechanic too. 
uh, but still a very special generation to me nonetheless. And those remakes on 3DS are just darn near perfect in my eyes. So, yeah, that's actually my number two. Okay. Um, I <laughs> fuck. I've talked about Ruby and Sapphire, mostly Ruby, the remake. Probably at least five to ten hours on this podcast over the last 130 episodes just for games played, shiny, and all that craziness. Um, So it's no surprise that this is on my list. Uh, Between the two remakes, I've put about 1,800 hours, about 1,400 hours in uh, Ruby remake, and then about 400 hours in Alpha, Sapphire. Mm -hmm. Um, I have 700 out of 720 one i think uh shinies there's only 720 possible because volcanion is not possible to get the shiny in the um actual game yet so and then in the originals i put at least 200 hours plus in those games so i i mean i've played the shit out of this game this is probably one of the highest played games behind runescape as like a collective generation mm-hmm. having 2000 plus hours so i i love this generation the original game i growled on was my shit like going into the elite four i had leveled growled on up to level 91 mm-hmm. before i even attempted it just wow. grinding in that cave and just watching cartoons and it, I it's all the music's amazing. It was just a good time oh. to play Pokemon. This is one of the mo- like generations that I have like the most remembrance of. Like it was kind of a blur for like the early generations because we were so young, mm-hmm. and like I have spotty memory on like Silver Gold, um, but this one's like the one that I'm like okay, I'm getting into like high school or uh, you would have been middle school, middle back then. school, yeah. Um, so yeah. Very I cool. love this generation. It's, it's great. Yep. Me too, man. Me too. Well, um, you're number two now, I, I think. have my number one left. Okay. I'll just do my number two, which is probably the same as you if I had to guess. Um, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I just such a big fan of that. Dude, I, I went for the... Actually, my number one is the new Snap. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I put... I mean... It goes RuneScape, Pokemon Snap, and then it goes Ruby Sapphire. <laughs> I want to be abundantly clear. Ryan and I, we can't help but make fun of it. I, I'm, I, if people love those games, more power to you. I'm, I'm glad you, you enjoy those and love those games. But Ryan and I have to, to continue the long-running podcast joke. But my actual number two is Pokemon Soul Silver version. I've said a number of times that I wasn't really big into Gold and Silver when they first came out. I don't really know similar to you, like kind of just almost blocking out certain memories or certain gaps in your your brain as a kid. I just don't remember my friends playing gold and silver. I know they probably were, but it wasn't until years later when I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade that I eventually got um, a hand-me-down copy from a friend of mine, his version of Pokemon Crystal. Okay. And that's really my, um, the entirety of my memory playing that generation until, of course, we got those terrific remakes on the Nintendo DS with the Pokewalker, Soul Silver, Heart Gold. I of course got Soul Silver because I love Lugia, yeah. and uh, just playing through that generation was—I keep using the word "special," but it's the best word I can use to describe um, playing a remake of such a terrific game on the original Game Boy Color. And Soul Silver is no exception. I mean, it's still such a fun game to go back to. 
Um, if you want kind of that OG challenge of swapping Pokemon out to level up and grind your guys out, that's a great game to do it. Unfortunately, this is another example of a game that is just skyrocketed in value, especially if you're looking to get this game in the box with the Pokewalker. But uh, Soul Silver, you know, it was that crazy generation where we kind of mentioned it earlier, where not only do you go through the Johto region, get past the Elite Four, but then you get the ridiculous of su- surprise of finding out that you also can go visit the Kanto region and go through that entire um, series of gym leaders as well. Yeah, with the ultimate challenge of facing off and basically of the Pokemon Master of the first red version mm-hmm. um, with Pokemon or the trainer red. Um, yeah, this is my number one. I love this generation. I've like all the memories of facing off about Milk Tank. It's <laughs> such a hard fucking gym. I think it was level 20, but he used rollout and just steamrolled your entire team. Yeah. Um, and then just going- for a second pause, I Milk Tank is one of the coolest Pokemon. Is he? It's just a <laughs> fun design. Yeah. It's such a neat little, like, cow Pokemon. I like to think that him and Tauros go out on dates. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's they had a lot of, like, the least, the first two generations moving into the third and then less so moving on. But the, I feel like the design of the Pokemon had such a distinct kind of look to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of got more off the cuff. Like fucking cling clang the keys, but yeah, no, I going like trying to avoid milk tank, going up and being blocked by Son of Wooda, needing like the spray can or whatever, and having to beat him. So like that's your first kind of wall, and then right af- after that gym, going up into that city, kind of the central city, where you have that burned down tower, and mm-hmm. you start getting mm-hmm. lore about the world where it was there was three dogs that died in this giant fire. And then um, Ho-Ho uh, basically came in and revived them and gave them this new power. And they turned into the three legendary dogs. And at this time, this is where like the Lugia Pokemon 2000 came out, which is the Lugia movie, which I saw mm. in theaters. And then also it was, oh God, I forget the one. It's the one of Celebi. Uh, oh, Forever. Forever. Yeah. Where it's... Uh, Suicune basically hop in trying to restore the forest. And this is where the evil person has a, I think this he has a Tyranitar in that one as well. Um, it was just a good time for Pokemon movies. They were still relatively grounded mm-hmm. um, for the movies. I mean, coming off of Pokemon, the original one where like everyone cried as a kid. Oh my gosh. When Ash fucking died. Brother. <laughs> My brother, tell me what we're fighting for. Uh, so good. Oh, yeah. And then, um, yeah, just getting into Lugio and Lugio, <laughs> Lugia coming out of, like I said, 2000 and just seeing his arrow blast. And I'm like, I just want all of that. That movie was so good. Like, it holds up pretty well today, mm-hmm. fighting all the birds and then bringing him up because it's imbalanced. Um, yeah, I just like the look, and maybe it's because I love Dragon Ball Z, the Kamehameha wave, but his arrow blast coming out of his, his face, killing the collector's uh, thing, mm-hmm. ship, was awesome. Um, and then the second region, it was just crazy to be like, I just came off of last generation, enjoying all of that, and then seeing it now in color. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, I mean, it was definitely a condensed version. You went in to these gyms having leveled up through the first region. Yeah. Um, and it's not all the side, like, Team Rocket shit. But, yeah, just going back, a uh, trip through memory lane, it's extended experience. And then, lastly, after you beat the Elite Four, I think the second time, um, being able to go into that uh, door to the left in the uh, Victory Road and kind of going into Mount Silver and then facing that kind of ultimate challenger. It was uh, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I guess for me, at least, as we mentioned earlier, we, we created Pokemon teams mm-hmm. and I made my team that I would now face off as a Pokemon master. I will declare that I'm a Pokemon master now. Nice. What team I would take. Good stuff, Ryan. Well, I think a pretty solid, well-rounded list for the both of us. Uh, But as we always say in the podcast, I don't want the conversation and topics that we discuss here in the show uh, to stay on the episode. I want to extend that to the listeners as well. So uh, whatever topic Ryan and I discuss today, whether it's our top five Pokemon games, building on our dream team, whatever it might be, I'd love to hear your picks, your top five Pokemon games, but also your starter six. What poke, What six Pokemon are you going to take with you? I don't care what your region is. You can come up with any rules you want for yourself, as Ryan and I have done, and we're going to get into here shortly. But let us know. Drop us a little note on the Discord. If you're not in the Discord, click that link in the show notes. Or write us an email at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your top five Pokemon games, again, including mainline and spinoff games, And let us know, what are the six Pokemon you're taking to the Elite Four? But uh, before we get into that six Pokemon selection, Ryan, our dream team, you know, you found this pretty terrific little ad. Yes. From the 90s. If you're familiar with watching Pokemon on WB, this was one of those great little transition videos uh, in the holiday season. And I feel like it's only appropriate as we approach the holidays, a little Australian (laughs) accent, uh, as we approach the holidays, queuing up and playing this fun little Christmas ad. What do you say? Let's do it. Alrighty. Welcome back to the Kids WB Kooky Carol Fest. Dig dolls with Pokeballs. Pikachu will light them all. Lapras go and make some snow. Jinx will bring the mistletoe. Yuck! Stay tuned for more of the Kids WB Kooky Carol Fest. But first, it's Pokemon next on Kids WB. Alrighty, Ryan. Well, we're not going to be tuning into Kids WB Pokemon, but maybe we're doing the next best thing. Let's do the next best thing. <laughs> we're building out our Pokemon Dream Teams, as we kind of teased earlier. Uh, I didn't spend too terribly long building out my list. It's probably the most basic of Pokemon lists, but hey, these are some of my favorites, and I certainly anchor back to those first three generations, and that's really kind of what we get from my list. But I'm struggling today with words. But before <laughs> we <laughs> before we get to my list, I do want to hear yours. Uh, so why don't you rattle through your Dream Team Six Pokemon that it sounds like you're taking to fight Red? Yeah, so I took a different approach. Um, I kind of see as like the hardest trainer in the entire series is Red on Mount Silver, um, and coming off of our top five games. Silver being my favorite, he was always the one that's like, I need to prepare myself and become a Pokemon master once I beat Red. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
now having played thousands of hours of Pokemon, um, trying to competitively train in the newer versions, what team would I take to go against kind of the original two generations of Pokemon? So his team is uh, Pikachu, which you have to have because Pikachu is amazing, Espeon, Snorlax, and then the original three starters, third gen. So Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise. Mm. Um, so, this is, these are Red's Pokemon? Yeah, those are okay, Red's Pokemon. Gotcha. Um, and they're ranging, Pikachu being the highest level 81, down to 75 Snorlax, or 73 Espeon. So they're pretty high level. This mm-hmm. is like end game. I mean, the Elite Four doesn't compare. Red can just wipe them. Mm-hmm. So I built a team based off of what I would do, six Pokemon to counter those Pokemon. So my first Pokemon that I would throw out right off the bat is a Ferrothorn. I don't know if you've ever seen that Pokemon. Mm-mm. It's basically like a little disc. It's a leaf, a leaf steel, and he has like four little arms. Cool. Um, he <laughs> nice <laughs> give shits about the new gen. <laughs> uh, no, he is a very competitive tank in the competitive scene. Um, he has very few weaknesses. He's only weak to fire by four, so Charizard would fuck him up. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as who I expect Red to throw out first, it would most likely be Pikachu. Okay, I think that's actually what he does throw out in the game. And Pikachu has half damage to Ferrothorn. So it's it's a very tanky guy. And Ferrothorn is built for me to counter Blastoise being a leaf Pokemon, um, being really high defense. But the reason I would throw out him first is he has a move called Stealth Rock. And this is basically an asshole play where you throw out Stealth Rocks. Basically picture like floating rocks on the stage which damages Pokemon when they come on to battle. So Red was, say he wants to counter me with a Charizard, he withdraws, and if he throws in Charizard, he's going to take damage. Mm. And that being a rock move, it's four times weak to rock, so Charizard's going to come into the battle with 50% of his HP after three Stealth Rocks. So it's it's a good counter, and plus it damages all the Pokemon by 25% as they switch in. You didn't really prepare for this much, did you? No, not at all. It's not like after I ate turkey for three hours, I prepared Pokemon for three hours. <laughs> so, um, blast. That's kind of the my main rant. But it was basically just setting the field with Stealth Rocks. So any Pokemon that comes in is twenty five damage, or twenty five percent of their overall HP. Um, and then Charizard is fifty percent. Nice. He also is super effective to Blastoise. So that's kind of my main counter. Um, next is getting into who I would take out Charizard with. Um, this is one of my other probably top five Pokemon is a Dragonite. Mm, nice. <laughs> I love Dragonite. I've actually built this Pokemon competitively on uh, Ruby version. Um, he is dragon flying. He has some weaknesses, but none of which, which are really found in Red's team. Um, and he would basically use Stone Edge um, he's an extremely powerful Pokemon, and his abilities actually allow him to tank the first super effective hit. So he's really bulky and allows you to throw out a lot of damage. So he would be who I use to get rid of Charizard. Moving into my favorite Pokemon, <coughs> Tyranitar. He is he has a ton of weaknesses. Um Let's see, he has seven actual, like, times two weaknesses with fighting being times four, but I have to have him on my team. Um, he's 
who I would use to counter Pikachu. Just imagine a fucking giant green dragon T-Rex against a little Pikachu. Uh, but he has Earthquake, which is... <laughs> I dropped my ring. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's a ground type, and Pikachu is weak to ground type. So um, I got my f- favorite Pokemon, and I got Pikachu taken out. Uh, moving into my fourth guy is Lucario. Ooh, yeah. Lucario, he has the ability to have fighting Ghost Dark. He's also extremely fast, extremely powerful, and he would be the one I would potentially Mega Evolution um, if we're going to go that route. But Espeon, being a Psychic type, Ghost is super effective, so he would be who I use to kind of counter Espeon. And then Snorlax is a normal type, and the only thing super effective to normal type is fighting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not specifically using it for him, but Lucari could also take out Snorlax pretty easily. <laughs> so my counter to Snorlax, this is more of an asshole play. I've built this Pokemon competitively, and he's a ton of fun to use, is Gliscor. Mm. I don't know if you've seen him before. I think so, yeah. Um, is he purple? <laughs> He's blue or purple. He's like that bat thing. Yeah. Um, so I would use him. He has a really unique build. Um, his ability is poison heal. And what you can do is give him an item called uh, toxic orb. So you basically poison yourself. Mm. Um, so every turn, because you're poisoned, you can actually heal yourself every turn. Um, and then he has the ability to sword dance, which just increases his, his attack power because you're cut, trying to cut through a Snorlax who is bulky as shit. Um, you need to up your attack. You have Roost to heal yourself. You're also getting mm-hmm. double heal with the poison heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you'd throw down, Snorlax would come into the battle taking 25% off of his top HP because of the stealth rocks. And then he has Toxic. So I would Toxic Snorlax. And that basically adds, it increases the amount of damage he takes each turn. I gotcha. Um, And then lastly, Earthquake. (coughs) Earthquake Sword Dance is really powerful. And then the last guy is um, another Pokemon I've built competitively. Um, The only remaining Pokemon on Red's team at this point is a Venusaur. So you got to throw in a Fire Guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to have a Charizard in there. I ended up going with Volcarona, who is a bug fire. He has kind of counter to um, Charizard far less weaknesses. Really, all these t- all these people on my team besides Tyranitar only have two or three weaknesses. Um, so Volcarona, he knows Flamethrower and Psychic. Um, he knows Roost as well, kind of regaining health. And then Quiver Dance, which is basically the same thing as Sword Dance, just increasing your attack. Um, so he would be able to one-shot after a couple Quiver Dances, mm, um, mm-hmm. the Venusaur. Um, so that would be my team. And after this, my goal with this team was to make Red give up Pokemon and just go back and live with his mom because <laughs> he's in a vegetative state. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So – Unlike me, unable to beat him when I originally played, I can beat him now. Good for you, man. That's a heck of a list, and uh, wow, you really went all in on that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I expected nothing less. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I've built a lot of these guys, so I knew a lot about them, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, they're fun. I like Pokemon. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) 
Yeah. Very nice. Well, I will go ahead and share my dream team of Pokemon. So I did take quite a bit of a different approach for this and kind of how I envision in my mind is I just, you know, moved into this new place called Pallet Town with my mom. You know, Professor Oak is going to gift uh, each kid in the town one of the, uh, a Pokemon, yeah. similar to the anime, you kind of select your Pokemon. I'm going to make sure that I set 12 alarms and I don't sleep through any of them. I make it there Smart. on time. I get to select my Pokemon and I actually kind of build out six or whether whether I select one and get five more on the way, you know, it is what it is, you know, I'm, but I, I'm pitching this as I start in Kanto and I go through all of the regions all the way through Galar, the Sword and Shield place uh, and on on my quest to become a Pokemon master. These are the six Pokemon I select or find and catch and take on the entirety of this journey with me. And I, I'm starting, they'll be their, their starting Pokemon at the beginning. Okay. Right? I'm not selecting the Charizard. Yeah, your first or, evolution of each one of these, potentially. Exactly. You articulated that far better than I did. <laughs> so my first Pokemon, and I try to be as balanced as I could, having, you know, a little bit of grass, fire, electric, flying, um, psychic, all that kind of stuff. Um, my first Pokemon is Charmander because that is the first Pokemon that I ever got with red version, uh, growing up when I was about five years old, got my teal Game Boy Color for Christmas. Charmander was the Pokemon I selected. And so he definitely holds a very special place in my heart, both from playing the game, but also that horrible anime episode where that jerk leaves his Charizard or his Charmander out in the, uh, the rain to basically perish. And of course, flame to go out. Yeah, and of course, Ash rushes him to the nearest Poke Center and uh, gets him healed in time. So, Trimander is my first selection. My next selection, I wanted a grass type, and um, I wouldn't say he's a favorite of mine, but I do think he's super cute and adorable, and that's Bulbasaur. I do love Bulbasaur. Um, eventually becoming Venusaur, of course. Um, so I think that was a, a good grass selection. If I studied the entire 898 Pokemon, I may have selected a different grass Pokemon. But if someone says, name a favorite grass Pokemon, Bulbasaur is one of the first that comes to mind. So Bulbasaur gets the spot there. Uh, my water type, this is, this is definitely tough because, um, obviously you have your Squirtle. Mudkip is also a favorite of mine among many others, but Totodile from yes. gold and silver is my favorite especially when you get to his final evolution in Feraligator. just an awesome pokemon um and just a great little color blue it's just kind of that teal little blue and uh i love my totodiles you, so uh, yeah i picked both uh similar to you charmander and totodile in my first two playthroughs of the first two gens oh so. yeah good so, choices thank you thank you so totodile my third pick uh my fourth pick uh one that you had but i have of course the first evolution and that's riolu Yes. Eventually yeah. becoming Lucario. I've always loved Lucario. Just a really cool design and uh, was my most used Pokemon in probably Pokemon X. Yeah. Um, he was one of my my final guys that I took to the Elite Four and annihilated in the, uh, the Elite Four. So definitely have to take my dude Lucario. And then also similar to you, I'm taking a Dratini, eventually evolving into a Dragonite. Good I'm going to need a Pokemon that... Uh, knows how to fly and also send letters back home when I make it to, uh, you know, the later regions. I'm going to need to send letters home to mom. So Dragonite is going to fly those back. And then my final Pokemon, probably the most basic of choices, but I don't care because I love this Pokemon as many people do. And that's Pikachu. I want an electric type. Could have picked, you know, something like Zapdos or um, Elekid eventually becoming that mammoth tank of an Electabuzz or whatever. But uh, 
gotta anchor back to the OG Pokemon in Kanto region, and Pikachu is my selection. So, not as balanced as a list of yours. I didn't have that um, big of a goal in mind of crushing red and, you know, sending him into destroying his hopes and dreams a vegetative state <laughs> but uh, a balanced list nonetheless so no that's definitely good choices i i would definitely if i were a friendlier pokemon trainer have mm-hmm. picked pikachu pikachu's yeah. great um he's so iconic he's probably i mean besides charizard one of the most iconic characters i mean you have like darth vader is super iconic but pikachu is known pretty much everywhere. Yeah, the face point. of Pokemon. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's actually pretty strong. You can you can build him to be the same special attack as a Mewtwo. Oh wow! Um, with an Electro Ball, but basically the same, like four hundred stats. Um, so he's pretty powerful, and he has really good coverage for uh, heavy Pokemon with Grass Knot. So you can take out um, some of those heavier Rock Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good list. And, you know, if I'm going to be traveling across all these different regions, I want at least one Pokemon I can have out of the Pokeball to kind of walk around with me and keep me company. And I think Pikachu is a good uh, companion to go on that journey. So would you make it his choice to evolve into a Raichu or would you keep him like the more agile? Yeah, I think I'd make it, you know, if he wants to become a Raichu, great. If not, it's Pikachu all the way. Nice. Yeah. But with all of that being said, Ryan, we've gone through all of the fun facts and trivia. We've built out our top five Pokemon game lists. We've made our dream teams. Now it's time for a little game. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to warn the listeners because when I thought about this and pitched this idea in my head and then in practice, it's kind of two different things. So what I did is I built out a list of 10 Pokemon and their cries. So the sound that they make when you encounter them in the wild, you pull them up in a Pokedex. These are the sounds that the Pokemon make however these are the og sounds they make in their original game so think those high screeching 8-bit little tunes so just know it can be a little grating on the ears and as i challenge ryan with these 10 pokemon you're probably going to hear certain sounds more than once because some of the sounds are less than a second so it's probably going to take a couple times for you to even get an idea of what pokemon it could be And I will also say that this is going to be a lot more challenging than you probably think it's going to be, okay? Yeah, probably. So I'm going to do my best to hopefully not screw this up because I I save down all the different sounds and I have a few second buffer between sounds to hopefully um, I'm able to pause, rewind if we have to replay it, so on and so forth. But Ryan, what I did is I have six Pokemon from Gen 1 and four from Gen 2. Okay. So keeping it pretty simple because if I go to Gen like seven and have some, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you're never going to know. Yeah. So I'm really trying to go back to the first two generations where you encounter these Pokemon hundreds of times. Okay. You should have some semblance of an idea of what they could be. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Let's listen to the first one. It's going to come at you fast. Okay. So make sure you have an ear for it. All right. Here we go. Ring any bells. Can you do that one more time? Mm-hmm. It sounds like a knit arena or a knit aran. Okay. Is that your final guess? Can you do it one more time? Mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry for the listeners, but we're going to have to do this a number of times here. And uh, hopefully you're playing along too. I definitely would encourage you to have some pen and paper and, you know, let us know in the Discord how many you got right. God, they all sound so familiar. Or so... I could also be a Pikachu. <laughs> I'm going to go with Nidorina. Nidorina? Yeah. It was Pikachu. I... Fuck. I even mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, Pikachu and the Nidorinas, they sound very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of these sound pretty similar, but yeah. what do you say we get to See, the second one I here? mentioned it. I just... Okay. Yeah. You I'll give myself point. a half point. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get to the second one. Oh, that's a Pidgey. That's a Pidgey. Is that your final answer? Yeah. It's actually Sparrow. So I was... Originally, I had Pidgey lined up. The Pidgey sound is like not even a sound. It's just like a bleep. Oh, fuck. Sparrow actually has a little bit of a personality to its its cry. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But great guess. I mean, you were your head was it's in the, the right starter birds. I knew I'm like, fuck, I've ran into that in that first route so many times. Your head was in the right place for sure. All right. So, um close your eyes real quick cuz I want to highlight this third one. All right. I hope you get this one. Do it any, again? Any guesses? I'm thinking it's a ratatat. God, fuck. It's been so long since I've played first gen. Do it one more time. Okay. Because this could also be this first my first guess. <laughs> I hope the listeners are playing along. I really Jesus. do. Because this is tough. This is not easy. Especially, like, you know, on the spot trying to guess these Pokemon cries. <sighs> I'm going to go Nidoran. You're going to go to Nidoran? Yeah, the boy one. Okay. It is actually Zubat. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's why I was hoping you get this one because how many Zubats have you run into? Over I've the literally years? Ran, like ran it into it this gen. I've ran into it so many times. Yeah. So pretty tough. All right. They all sound the same. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Oh all right. god! I, I I guess I can't call myself a Pokemon master. That's no, dude. This is really tough. All right. So this is the fourth one. Hopefully, uh, you have better luck with this one. Dude, <laughs> it's like I've never played a Pokemon game. I do that one more time. Oh my gosh, dude, this is rough. I know it's not easy. Holy shit! I don't even like I've, <laughs> I. I'm like I'm dying inside. Like I, I feel like it's close to the beginning of the game. God, okay, one more, one more time. Okay, I, I don't even have a Pokemon that's coming to my. It's like a small, like, four-legged Pokemon. You're on the right track. God, I, ju- I can't guess, like, Nidoran and Nidorina for, like, three of these. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to, I'm just, yeah, Nidoran. I mean, you guess it enough, it's eventually. Yeah. Gonna be- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I have 150 chances. Um, That's actually Bulbasaur. <laughs> Uh, the, the, okay, for that one, I've never picked Bulbasaur as my starter. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm disadvantaged. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, um, you still suck, but yeah, you know. you're not wrong there. <laughs> I am zero for four, zero for five. Yeah, zero oh for four. Um, let me look at this next one. So close your eyes real quick. All right, I I think you have a decent chance of getting this one. All right, I know Mewtwo sound. Okay, well let's keep going. Does it sound familiar, Ryan? Kind of. It kind of sounds like a rat Can you do that again? Mm-hmm. 
Copyrighted Kate. Give <laughs> <laughs> me a fucking weed over it for all I fucking know. <laughs> what is... Okay, one more time. And then I'm guessing one of the fucking rats. <laughs> I... Dude. This is tough. This is really tough. Which one are you going with? Going with Rat-a-tat. Rat-a-tat? <laughs> the, the look on your face is like, that's wrong. <laughs> you, it's Rat-a-kate. <laughs> I'm going with Rat-a-tat. It's Charizard. You were close, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Am I, though? <laughs> it's within the first 125 in the Pokedex. <gasps> oh, my gosh, dude. dude. I know. This is not easy. All right? What? What do you say we get to this uh, sixth one? This is okay. the final Gen 1 um, Pokemon Cry okay. that I have for you today. All right. Let's take a listen. Okay. I think I know this one. All right. What's this one? I'm thinking it's Mewtwo, but if you're going to, it's going to say like, oh, it's Mew, or it's like <laughs> <laughs> fucking, not Bulbasaur, but like Blastoise or something. I'm going to go with Mewtwo. Wait, let's hear it one more time. Okay. Dude, now I'm questioning everything. I'm like, is this a ditto? <laughs> or is it a chancy? Or is it one of the birds? Oh, God. I think it's a Mewtwo. You seem like once a game in the cave. Is that your final answer? Yes. It is Mewtwo. Oh, God. Yes. One out of ten. <laughs> or one out of six. <laughs> I'll be happy. All right. Like, I'm happy with Mewtwo. Now we get into Gen 2. This is going to be worse, because I don't know names. <laughs> Let's do it. I right, look down. I don't want you to right. see it, because I have to remind myself. Okay. I think you might be able to get at least one of these. All right? The problem is, like, I'm overthinking these. Don't overthink. Whatever your gut response is, that's what you should guess. Okay. All right? Listen to this first one. Do that one more time. I, I'm, it's going to be hard not to just like chuck out a name at this point. Yeah. I'm just going to go with Cyntaquil. Like, Final guess? Yeah. It is Totodile. I was close. I was a one in three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Yeah. You ready for this next one? Yeah. I think Why don't you, you be like the freaking deer? <laughs> Stantler? <laughs> just like a moo. <laughs> there's some weird pokemon like i even for like those uh the leaf guys below mm-hmm. where you fight the son of wooda in that patch where you can only catch it like you catch the scyther in the like bug catching or like leaf catching tournament mm-hmm. like the weird giant floaty blob flower thing mm-hmm. i have no idea what those sounds are <laughs> i don't either yeah all right. all right let's do the next one really really try and listen to this one and try and attribute it to an actual sound. Okay. All right. Mm, that's a bird. Um, it's definitely a bird. Mm. Um, f- second gen birds. Oh, God. I'm trying to think. There's like hoo-ho or uh, hoot hoot. That That's the only like, I think that's the first area bird. Do it again. Mm-hmm. He also have a, has an evolution. That's like an owl. Okay, I'm just going to go with my first guess, which is Hoot Hoot. 
You're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 20% is possible. <laughs> uh, well, because what I, what I was trying to say is, you know, attribute it to a real world sound because I feel like when you hear that, once you know it's hoot hoot, it almost sounds like an owl yeah, hooting. He definitely has a really distinct like bird sound. Yeah. 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 Well, good guess. Um, we've got two more. Okay. And again, these are both from Gen 2 if you're just tuning in now to the Otaku Brothers podcast. All right. Here is the ninth Gen 2 Pokemon cry. Here we go. Pretty long. That sounds like a legendary. Uh, can you do that again? Mm-hmm. Lugia. That, that has to be Lugia. You were right. Yes. That is Lugia. <laughs> I've, I've heard that cry a few times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've gotten three out of ten yes. so far, or three out of nine, I should say. I disgraced myself on the first 150. Yeah, that's okay, though, because this... Oh, is it a Rattatat? No, it's a Charizard. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but this could be a reoccurring segment of the podcast, so guess that Pokemon cry. Yeah, and... I feel like it would have to be the first two gens. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Uh, Maybe the third gen. Maybe third. I've spent enough time there. Yeah. The first gen's the hardest. That's it... why I would never... like. Gen 6, like black and white. There's never. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Here is the final Pokemon cry. Again, this is from Gen 2 as well. Best of luck, Ryan. All right. Any guesses, Ryan? And this is uh, this is a Gen 2 Pokemon. It's not a Gen 1 Pokemon in a Gen 2 game? That's correct. Okay. Can you play it one more time? Mm-hmm. Still got the bird sound to it. I have no idea on this one. You don't even want to throw out a guess? Uh, one more time, and then I'm trying to think. All right, here's the final time we'll play it. Okay. Uh, I honestly have no idea. I'm going to go with one of the other ones I guessed, uh, Cyndaquil. It is not Cyndaquil. It is a Pokemon that we talked about earlier in the episode, and it's one of your favorite Pokemon of all time. It is Tyranitar. Is it? Go- okay. We can, we can listen to it. Yeah. You can listen to it a bunch more after the podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, guessing the Pokemon Cry is no joke. It, yeah. It is difficult. I tried to do this with Lauren, and she had no idea. And if you did this for me, I there's no way I'd be successful. You'd probably get Mewtwo. Maybe. I mean, I would understand or know that it's... I mean, obviously, the longer the cry, the the, the more legendary it probably is, or yeah. the more evolved the Pokemon is. But still, I mean, I I think the only one I might be able to get was Zubat. Uh, because know. I've just run into it so many times, and I just... It's embedded into my brain. But, but outside of that, you start playing them back to back, they all sound the same. They do. They yeah. do. It's crazy. Well, there's YouTube clips out there that are like two or three minutes long for each gen. And it's just back to back to back, all of the different sounds. And that's kind of where I pulled the audio from. And yeah, it just starts to sound like nonsense after a while. Like you can't distinguish one versus the other, really. Yeah. Um, so I do. That's no, a fun challenge. Yeah. So I do want to do a call out, you know, for the listeners. How well did you do? I'd love to hear, especially some longtime Pokemon fans, if you were able to get uh, literally any of those, because I didn't think that um, any of those were really easy. No. You know, so except for like maybe Mewtwo or Lugia, like even if you couldn't pinpoint either Pokemon, 
you probably could read between the lines and say that's that's a legendary or that's yeah. some type of rare Pokemon. But um, that's a wrap, Ryan. That is our Pokemon extravaganza retrospective. I hope everyone learned something new with the fun facts. Hopefully you had fun listening to our top five games, us making our dream team, and Ryan failing miserably at guessing that Pokemon cry. 30%. <laughs> but uh, you got three that it's certainly worth celebrating and patting yourself on the back for. But thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I, I hope it found you all well. I hope you learned something new about Pokemon. And I hope you just had a heck of a fun time reminiscing about something that most of us could probably share in our mutual love of. And uh, even if you're not a big fan of the more recent Pokemon games, maybe you started with the more recent Pokemon games. Regardless, most of us have a love of Pokemon. And I know Ryan and I probably mentioned Pokemon at least once every single episode in some capacity. So it was a lot of fun to kind of do an episode of this size with this many different segments. And you got to queue up those fun advertisements too and reminisce about the 90s. So once again, Hopefully, it found everyone well. Ryan and I will be back next week with another fun episode returning to our Memory of Melodies segment. Five songs we're bringing each, this time about Christmassy timed games. Nice. Could be, you know, if you want to put, you know, like the Grinch or whatever kind of Christmassy song, like you did Monster Match. I did. For our Halloween (laughs) Memory of Melodies. So, whatever you want to bring, anything is fair game. But, um,. I'm really really looking forward to that episode to uh, just kind of reminisce about, you know, the holidays and video games that remind us uh, of that time. Yeah, it's I mean, it's starting to snow here, so we're starting to get in the spirit. Thanksgiving's Mm -hmm. over. I'm I'm allowed to talk about Christmas now. Now that Thanksgiving is over, you Mm -hmm. guys start like after Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it'll be a good time. It will absolutely be a good time. But Ryan, as we near the end of any episode of Otaku Brothers, the listeners know by now, as I as I do, I have to turn things back to you and say, do you have any parting words for the listeners? All right. Let's talk about space. <laughs> no, I have a, a, a short Pokemon fact. Um, so in actually in Pokemon, it was confirmed that Ash's dad is still alive. Mm. Um, so in the second episode of the Indigo League, so really it's the oldest series, the second episode – um, it's when Ash gets to Viridian City. He ends up calling his mom. He's just completely electrocuted. He was attacked by sparrows. He just got vaulted to all hell. Um, he calls his mom and says, hey, I'm in Viridian City. And she's like, oh, shit. It took your dad four days to get there. Oh, and, wow. And he's like, I'll, I'll let him know like that you're there. Huh. So it's, I mean, it's an offhanded sentence, but if... She, I mean, he's she's either talking to a gravestone or giving him a call, and he's off on a Pokemon journey. Very so, cool. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I saw that sometime this week, but I didn't expect him to be alive. Good stuff. Well, as you, as we always say on the Otaku Brothers podcast, this is an educational program. Ryan's coming with the fun facts at the end of every single episode. That's why you guys stay for the end. Ryan has the fun facts. We have the good tunes to fade out the show with. It's always a good time and always worth staying till the end. But we are coming in uh, nearly two and a half hours, not as long as I thought it was going to be. No, I mean, we we were talking offline and about Pokemon as well. And it feels like, I mean, we I've been over here for like at least five hours at yeah. this point. But yeah, yeah I got, 
I love Pokemon talk. So mm-hmm. anytime we can uh, make an episode about Pokemon, I'm all for it. I'm sure it's not the last time we'll talk about Pokemon, Ryan, or have a dedicated episode to Pokemon. For sure. So thanks, everyone, once again for listening. We hope this episode found you well. Keep playing the good video games, eat the good food, spend time with the best people, and we'll see you next week. Let's go, Johto. It's a whole new world we live in. Pokemon Johto. Everybody wants to be your master. Everybody wants to show their skills. Everybody wants to get there faster. Make their way to the top of the hill. Each time you try, gonna get just a little bit better. Each step you climb, one more step up the ladder. It's a whole new world we live in. It's a whole new way to see. It's a whole new place with a brand new attitude. But you still gotta catch them all. Be the best that you can be. Pokemon Johto. Let's do it. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. To catch them is my real test, to train them is my cause. My whole life is made to this, time to test my skills. And I know I just can't miss, gonna show the world. Born to be a winner. Baby